listen, I'm the definition of a monster. Sitting like a monster, revolver on my lap, barrel full of black tiles. I lick it at the squad. Roll up, I hold up, the spin while I'm driving. Fill off and roll up. Niggas better slow up before you bake the fuck out. I ain't let it flame before you ready to the fuck out. All over your shirt, so you can't get out the fuck out. All up in the dirt, my spin, get the fuck out. No foul was raised that. I play that whoever I'm around I hold it down like a wave cap Yeah, my niggas stay strapped Lays on the place back All over that yo Get your motherfucking hands back North side of Bird Street South side of 8 Ball Look out of Green Gate Cops coming straight ball Nigga dropping tapes on me Try and get us locked down Send it to the district That's enough to get you chopped down Nine pound fella Fuck around and get a nigga Mama said fella They ain't riding many tellers I be sliding with a seven All titanium All right, Quentin, we're back, and we're back to normal. Uh, in fact, we're even more back to normal than you realize. This week we are control your butch. Uh, very important. Um, <laughs> it's a really, really, really important yeah. uh, topic in the world right now. Yes, things going on. Oh God, there is so much weird news shit, and in fact, we should get into the the news stuff. But I'm gonna explain. Yeah, we have to. Yeah, yeah. we we actually have to do news this time. Yeah, there's a ton. So that's why we're even more. We're going back to normal, Hill Quentin, and here's why. We're gonna do news topics. We're gonna do all the drama that's going on on the internet when it comes to wrestling, which is fucking weird. Um, and but I, but I, I, okay, Keith, can I can I go? I guess we have to talk about the fucking T-shirt. Do we have to? Which one? I don't even know what you're talking about now. Oh, oh, good. Never mind. I, no, I probably do, but I just forgot what you're talking about. What's the fucking Mark Pickering dipshit. Oh yeah, the, that horse shit. Yes, yes, we'll mention it. Um, oh great. Yeah, yeah. But uh, also, I went fucking crazy because okay, so I. I'll you know pull peel back the curtain, give the give tell the people about my real life. I've been having a really fucking weird time with everything in life. Um, my wife works from home a lot. We've got the new dog. The training is actually getting a lot better. Here's a fucking crazy thing that never crossed my mind, and we had, we had talked about it, and maybe I talked about it even on here in the past. But this dog loves when I pick him up, right? And I'm just not used to dogs that are into that. He uh, he'll jump up on me and he wants me to pick him up. I carry him around and he calms down and he's into it. And most of the time he's insane. Um, so we're talking to the trainer and we're doing all the stuff. And the trainer goes, uh, "Have you ever tried? You know, when you know that something's gonna come up that freaks him out, try picking him up and see what he does." And I was like, "Oh, he might chill out." And it never fucking would have crossed my mind ever to try it. So I did try it and it works. So if I pick him up and I walk by stuff that normally he would freak out on, he's totally cool. And I'm just like, oh my god. So all these years I've seen people who pick up their dogs when they're barking and going crazy. And I've been like, why do they, you know, it seems dumb. You know, it's not doesn't do anything. I'm like, maybe it does. Maybe it actually works because it works for me. Um, but anyway, I've been stressing out, dealing with that. Uh, you know, it's always like a weird fucking thing for me to deal with. With, with like, who's going to make dinner? What are we going to eat? How are we going to figure all this stuff out? Because of, like I said, because the schedule is weird. I'm like very good at just having a set schedule. And so... I, you know, every week lately for the past couple weeks, it's been like Wednesday night, I start to freak out and I'm like, I got a ton of stuff that I should have already watched for the podcast, things that I want to talk about. I got to think about what I'm going to make for dinner tomorrow night. We're going to record. My wife's going to be going to work. 
Uh, so that means I got to figure out dinner too, plus recording, plus everything, you know what I mean? And all that. And it's just turning into like this insane stress thing. And I realized like, this is on me because what I'm doing is Monday and Tuesday nights when my wife has to work late, I'm going out and doing stuff outside of the house instead of staying home and watching the wrestling that I end up freaking out that I should have watched on Wednesday. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to start making better decisions. So I watched insane amount of wrestling Monday and Tuesday night. We were going to record and just review the West Coast Pro Wrestling Show. I found out it's a, a, a collab show with Prestige, and there's two nights. I watched both nights. Then you mentioned, oh, let's watch, let's talk about New Japan Cup. You know, just cherry pick. I watched everything. I skipped, like, the egregious, awful matches, but even those I kind of, like, fast-forwarded, clicked through. Yeah, like, let's, let's be clear. I, 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 I definitely said cherry pick. You did. New Japan you did. Cup. <laughs> you did. And I watched everything. And I took notes in Google Docs with star ratings for every match for the New Japan Cup. This is why I'm saying this is old school. This is this week in wrestling stuff. This is how I used to oh, do you're, it. Oh you're, oh, you're, oh, you're back. Yes, I am back in it. <laughs> I'm doing wrestling the way that I used to do. Yeah, so this is your end for it, Quentin. We did a three-hour episode last week, and I'm like, you know what? I'm ready. We're doing three-hour episodes every week again, guys. Get used oh, to it. Oh, fuck. <laughs> no. no, it's not going that far. But uh, but yeah, that's a that's that's what's going on with me, Quentin. Like I said, I'm I've been being an idiot. I've been letting myself get stressed out, and I've honestly been getting to the point where I'm like worrying, like, why am I doing a podcast if it feels like it's adding stress and it's making me feel like it's a job? And it's it's just myself. I'm just being stupid, and I'm really excited and happy to do the show now that I feel like I actually sat down and watched everything. So, you know, this is this is good. Plus, we are recording a day early, which is uh which is weird. Um. So that kind of, even that, like, threw off the schedule a little bit. Um, so, yeah, Quentin, how are you doing? I mean, I'm good. Like, I did miss watching New Japan. I'm not, I'll be honest. People might not like hearing that. I did miss watching New Japan. Yeah. I haven't been watching as much of it lately. I've, I haven't, I've barely watched any of it this year. There's still stuff from, stuff from Wrestle Kingdom I haven't watched. Just, just a testament that I really, like, haven't been super, like, tuned into wrestling the way that I the way that I the way that I usually am. And at least especially New Japan. Like I like I'm obviously AW, I'm paying attention a lot to stardom. And we're watching we're watching more of the US Indies this year and stuff like that. But at least with New Japan I haven't been super into it. I'll be honest. I liked what I saw. Yeah. It makes me want to makes me want to go back and watch more. So uh that's good. We're recording a day we're recording a day earlier than usual. Um I made plans to go see the premiere for the uh Jujutsu Kaisen uh, Zero movie, so that's the reason why we're here a day earlier. Might prefer the day earlier. Who knows? We'll see. We always play this thing by ear anyway, and whatever works best for somebody is whatever we is whatever we wind up doing. Yeah, yeah. So other other than that, um, I said I said early, I tweeted earlier today that the I've read Vagabond and I've played Elden Ring, but somehow the nerdiest thing I'm going to do today is watch wrestling, and that that was definitely correct watching west coast pro was definitely the nerdiest thing i spent my i spent on i spent my day doing yeah well like i said uh, before we started recording you're lucky you uh you didn't watch both shows honestly um because prestige is something else um all right so news news notes. second this, biggest indie in the world yeah yeah exactly um news news and topics so you mentioned the shirt uh, I don't know how much you want to talk about this. It was fucking stupid, right? Like, I mean, that was just weird. Like, he had a, he definitely had an axe to grind. Just, ran, just randomly had an axe to grind because I don't understand dying on this hill whatsoever, especially after getting exposed multiple times for being guilty of this exact same shit. Yeah. 
And then his excuse being, oh, well, there's supposed to be this big reputable platform and stuff like this. It's like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> uh, it was like, like, who is that? Go ahead. I was like, there's one thing about, like, I'm already just, like, kind of, like, not standoffish, but, like, I don't go out of my way to sit there and, like, reply to people or, like, talk a lot of, talk to a lot of people online. Mainly because I think a lot of people are just fucking weird. Sure. And, like... Like and like, obviously, Mark Pickering doesn't speak for like most humans in the world that exist to use social media. But like, he's a prime example of like, my God, some of you are like just complete fucking weirdos. <laughs> Granted, obviously, everyone spent the day dunking on him and deservedly so for being a complete nerd piss baby. But he's yeah, like oh wow, like there's like really weird people like this who, like, aren't even, like, necessarily bad people. Like, not, like, we're going to talk about Drake Wirtz in a second and people that donated to his shit. So it's not what talking about that. <laughs> but just, like, but just like oh, you're just, like, a generally un- unsufferable person just because of, like, dumb, pedantic stuff like this. Yeah, no. And, I mean, come the fuck on. Like, parody shirt? A parody shirt is the hill that you're dying on here in professional wrestling? I'm sorry, but is that not basically everything? Is like, are you calling out the Bullet Club because they were an NWO parody? You know what I mean? Like, what are you? What the fuck are you even on about? And then, like, oh my God, the the four pillars. Like, what about all of the strong style bullshit? What about everything being called something strong style during that period of time? Where were you at for this? You had nothing to say then. You had no fucking call outs. Like it is. Like, who is the axe to grind against? Because he's like directing it at post wrestling, which seems insane. Um. And but Eddie Kingston, and then well, not Eddie, but AEW for letting him be on TV wearing the shirt. Like, what's the fucking problem here, man? Like, it, 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 it could because because Baba and Masawa are dead, right? Like, I guess, like, okay, but that's weird. Like, like okay, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't fucking get it. Like, it's especially again in wrestling where parodies and fucking you know this kind of stuff is all over wrestling it has been for a very long time like forever i mean shit like th- this is just how it works like Re- nature boy rick flair was like a ripoff nature boy was a fucking ripoff nickname that he stole from buddy rogers right like wh- what the fuck are we doing here <laughs> what what game are we playing like this is this is just how it works like it's not and you know it's not just wrestling obviously but it's especially weird to take this fucking tact when it comes to wrestling like Jesus. And for him to talk, you know, okay, whatever, Misawa and, uh, and, oh my, Giant Baba? I don't even know how that, what that has to do with the, the pillars, really. Um, but, you know. It, it, I guess it's because Misawa, Misawa is dead, but then it's like, so, like, even like Misawa's death is in Noah? So, like, it's like, like what exactly, like, I, I yeah. it's weird to, like, Masawa's death means that like we can't like a four pillar shirt. Well, because who'll be doing a four pillar shirt? Like even like even in the hypothetical situation where all Japan made a four pillar shirt, three all <laughs> three of those guys left. Yeah, so should like, they be allowed so like, to do? Yeah, yeah. Like what? Like what the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> and I should know this off the top of my head, so I feel like a fake fan. But like, is Tawei still alive? Yeah, Tawei's alive. Right. So. So Kabashi. it's literally like it's, it's literally Masawa and Baba, but it's like yeah, and that's it again. Like what exactly? Like, what exactly is your point? Because these guys that you say like oh like the families and the proceeds won. Like again, Masawa's the one on the shirt. 
Right. And two, okay, who would be making this hypothetical shirt in the first place? Would it be Noah? No, because you can't really do that because Kawada wasn't a Noah fixture. Like, right. you know, with just those three, All Japan can't do it because, like, they probably patched it up, like, might, might have, like, made amends at some point, but those guys all left and it wasn't the best of terms. It was a fucking exodus, for Christ's sake, with Baba's death and his wife and everything. Like, so, like, what exactly are you talking about? Yeah, the whole thing is is insane. And, and I'll say this, like, this guy's got a lot of fucking nerve to point fingers about something like this and and uh, exploiting, you know, the 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 memory and the history of a old, you know, passed away professional wrestler when he's in fucking Noah where they're propping up Mudo's corpse and putting the fucking title on him. Like you want to talk about exploiting the dead, this motherfucker is in the company that's been doing that for years at this point. Um so yeah, fuck that. Um it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, <laughs> so you mentioned donating money to Drake. So we got that to uh, to talk about. Um, did you see the list of everyone who supposedly donated money to Drake and all this? It's. I mean, it's a lot of people. Um, uh, obviously, the big one people were talking about is Beth. Yes, but that's the one that stands out. Riddle, Riddle, Carrie, and Cross. Did I see Bobby Fish? Yep, you sure did. Okay, am I am I am I, am I missing uh, any particular? I mean, that's, oh, uh, that's the ones that matter, I guess. Um, I mean, obviously, the takeaway that me and you both have agreed on for many many years is Biff Busick is a professional wrestler, so obviously he's a shitty person and probably has bad <laughs> politics. So don't be surprised by that. Like, what are you even? What what? I think it's just I think it's just this thing where like Biff is like we associate him with being very online. So it's like we just kind of assume that he's with all like the, I guess like I guess if you, I guess if you want to call them, leftist sector right. of like wrestling Twitter or whatever. Like I guess we just like everyone just kind of assume that. So, I mean, uh, I don't know why anyone would assume that. I guess they never listened to Biff and Ted's Excellent Adventure because on that podcast he was, uh, I will say, very edge lordy. You know, I've talked about that. I listened to that, and I know not a lot of people did because it was before anyone even really knew who Biff was, but. Uh, but yeah, they were not. Uh, <laughs> I would say they were not super PG PC on that show. Um, so yeah, the the guy definitely probably has some uh, interesting opinions on things, and people don't even realize it. I'm not trying to you know cancel him or say anything weird. I'm just saying he's not a fucking leftist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's just more the general reaction is like, oh man, I can't, I can't believe him. I can't believe Biff, and it's like, well, well, why can't you exactly believe that? <laughs> Yeah, it's not surprising. There's absolutely no professional wrestler that I'm not surprised is like fucking a shitbag. It's it's now granted. Now granted, let's be clear. Um, Biff has since responded and has said that he wasn't aware of whatever. And this is what I said in the Slack. I said it's entirely po- like if you present someone with the premise because Drake is on this whole QAnon piece of gate. They're save the children yeah, shit. He's on the save the children shit, which is the second leg of QAnon. You know. Right. So if he. So if he just presents you with the scenario of, do you want to protect children? Nine times out of ten, someone's going to be like, yeah, of course I want to protect children. Right. So if you, like, present that with no added context, and this person and someone say, like, they might already be a friend of yours in general. Like, they might not really know your social beliefs like that, but, like, they just seem like you're a nice, pleasant guy. Like, people that know Drake, other than his political beliefs, seem to like him. You know? So... If he just present, presents that to somebody, most of the time, they'll probably have no qualms donating 
to uh to such a cause. So, is it entirely possible that Drake presented that to like Biff and maybe others without the added context of Donald of Donald Trump is supposed to save save the world and they're in they're all demonic people inside there and um mon and monochrome and shit like like you know like like I mean not monochrome adrenochrome and all that and, and all that shit like that's entirely possible he just didn't divulge all that information when pitching it to people but I don't feel super confident just like letting Biff off the hook like that he can say that and if people are satisfied with that that's cool and as I said I'm not sitting there to say that to cancel Biff or say that I'm not going to watch Biff's matches or that it makes me less excited to watch Biff but I just think it's a very interesting reaction that people had to seeing Biff's name on those on that list yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, I think I have a similar opinion to you in that, that I can definitely see that, like, there was no, let's say, no no legal, nothing illegal happened here, because I hear someone saying that, like, oh, Drake, you know, could go to jail for misleading him, I think. You could probably argue that there's a very big possibility that he did not in any way mislead him, or if he did, you could argue, like, you know, that Drake didn't have what they, what they call mens rea, he didn't have the knowledge of the fact that he was committing any kind of crime, right? He doesn't have a, any real um, actual victim because Biff would not be looking probably to press charges because he doesn't feel like there was any. So there'd be no, like, yeah, no legal ramifications for this um, in any way. And I guess the only thing would be, like, uh, if someone running against him felt the need to, to say that they were hurt, but if you don't have any, like, tangible injury caused to anyone... Uh, there's nothing nothing that you're liable there. And I could definitely... My takeaway is I can definitely see Biff's a piece of shit and he supports that stuff. And now that he doesn't work for WWE, he has to kiss up to internet fans and say, I don't believe any of that stuff, actually. Uh, and I'm good. And sure, that's very possible. And I could also see Drake sends him some kind of link or some kind of thing and says, like, oh, I need money. And Biff just signs it off without reading it, doesn't even know what the fuck he's actually doing. And doesn't because, because, uh, because, because he just knows Drake as a cool guy, that's his friend, and like something like that. Like, that's entirely possible. Yeah, just former coworker got fired asking you for money. Ah, fuck it, I'll throw him some money, right? Why would you? Why would you not if you've got it? And that's the thing that people forget about wrestlers is, especially when you're in WWE, they get paid pretty well and they're pretty fucking stupid. So they figure out if they're smart, they get a money guy and they figure out something to do with the money so that they don't just blow it on stuff. But they have usually, if they are, if they do that, then that usually means that they have capital, excess capital, just sitting around that they can do stuff with. Um, like just give to their friend to start a business. How many of these like ex wrestler companies do you think are propped up like by other wrestlers giving them money or you know endorsing or you know what I mean or putting it out there or buying products like Celeste Vaughn and and the when she was selling leggings I remember the big deal like oh you know these are actually really popular and they're she's making good money off of this like how much of that do you think is connected to other wrestlers just buying her her products? You know, how much is that is you think is related? Like, I don't know, probably not none. Um, the, you know, other people who have done like supplement brands or people who do seasoning uh, to transfer the topic to the um, to the next thing. Did you see uh, Control Your Narrative's rules come out? I saw the rules, but they're not in front of me at the moment. So I, I have them up? up. I have them up so I can go over. OK. All right. <laughs> you ready for the, the official rules and regulations for Control Your Narrative? Uh, rule number one, okay. you are in control. <laughs> rule number two, all, right. all caps, you are in control with an exclamation point. Okay, 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 so hold on. So, it seemed every, from what I remember, 
after we get to there, everything else seems extremely contradictory. If I'm if yes. I'm in control, yeah. If you're in control, then that's it, right? Like, we're if I'm in, if I'm in control, if I'm in control, and like we're trying to make that ex- like abundantly clear, everything else that follows this is very contradictory, <laughs> and I think that they need, and I think that they need to exam examine this more thoroughly. Yes, this this is true, but they do differentiate between uh, fights and and sanctioned matches. So you know there is that. Uh, that distinction. So maybe if you're just in a in a fight, you're in control, you're good, whatever. But if you're in a sanctioned match, now you have to follow some rules. There's some rules from the sanctioning bodies. Hate to do this to you, but you know the sanctioning bodies have some regulations that we have to follow. Um, so yeah, fights end when you tap out, get knocked out, uh, can't stand or quit. Right. So I guess you're in control of of you're doing all of that stuff. I think being knocked out, you're not in control of, and I think if you uh, you can't stand, you're saying you can't do something. It feels like that's not in control, right? I don't know. Um, sanctioned matches can end via pinfall. So there you go. There's the difference. Standard professional wrestling rules apply for sanctioned matches. These are uh, uh, professional wrestling is in quotation marks. Matches in quotation marks. Chaos ensures, or what is it? Chaos ensues in the project pit. I don't even know what the fuck the project pit is, honestly. This came out of nowhere. This is tack. That last bit is tacked onto another rule, like another rule, and has nothing to do with the the predecessing clause and references something that I am unclear what it is. So that's pretty fun, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah, has, has has the project pit been introduced yet? I'm not that I'm aware of. I've never seen it, but hey, you know what? It's it, chaos ensues there. Um, it's out of nowhere. Like I said, it's really fucking out of nowhere because they're like standard wrestling applies uh, for the matches. Period. End of you know statement. Actually, they did this wrong because the period is inside of the inside of the quotation marks um, rather than outside. But you know whatever. Um, chaos ensues in the in the project pit. All caps actually. Project pit. All caps. Um, number five. No hashtag super kicks. No, hashtag Tope Suicidas. No, hashtag Canadian Destroyers. Um, which begs the question, are you able to do those moves Im- without the hashtag? Yeah, are, but also, are they implying that people talk like that? I'm confused. I'm not like, sure. That, like, when, like, that, like, that people are on Twitter saying hashtag Canadian Destroy and hashtag Superkick, hashtag Tope Suicida? Yeah, well, see, now, when I am when I ask, like, okay, are you allowed to do the move without the hashtag? This is my point, because the hashtag implies that you're, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to do a hashtag to get attention. You're trying to get clout on social media. You're trying to create a gifable moment. Yeah, 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 can, yeah can you do the actual move? Yeah, so you can like, do the move and not, and <laughs> if you're not trying to get clout from it. Like, if, you, if you're just okay. in the spirit of just doing the move, it's fine. But if you're trying to do it in the spirit, clout, in, in the spirit, in the spirit, in the spirit of competition yes. and controlling your narrative, a super kick is okay. Yes, that's see, I'm wondering, is that the case? Because that's what makes sense to me. Because the hashtag is like a branding exercise, right? So the idea is like you're not allowed to do branding. Um, so that's that was my question for that. Um, rule number six: the fight is the fight isn't with your opponent. Period. It's with yourself. Again, I don't know. Okay, so okay, so here's the thing, right? If that's the case, then why is everything not just EC3 staring at himself dramatically in a mirror and just like punching himself in the face? We've tried that. The ratings were not good. I don't know. Like what? I, I that would what's be the great. purpose? What's the purpose of what's the purpose of 
two people being in the rain together at that point. What's the purpose <laughs> of how matches or fights can end? How can it end? What's the purpose of what's the purpose of wrestling? Like, why are we just not doing a, like a reality God TV damn. show about a cult about about a cult at this point? See, now you're asking the kind of questions that really uh, that ponder the the true nature of controlling your own narrative. What is a rest? What is wrestling? What is the purpose of a wrestling show? <laughs> what is the purpose of a narrative? <laughs> like this is yeah. this is deep stuff. Um, number seven, fights will go on as long as they have been, as they have to. Sanctum matches hit their times. Let me let me try so this. Have... <laughs> fights Wait, will go so... on as long <laughs> as they on. have to. Hold on. Sanctioned matches in quotations hit their time. So is this like a kayfabe thing? Like, what? It sounds like time. It sounds like time limits. Like fights don't have time limits, but matches do. But saying hit their time is like you know fourth it's, wall. It's, it sounds like it sounds like book. It sounds like Booker speak. Yeah, like oh, you gotta hit your hit your times, brother. Don't no going over like William Regal. Um, like, what the fuck is this? Why could why couldn't you just say time limit? Yeah, why couldn't you just say no time limits? Or yeah, or go. To, hit their time again hit their times doesn't mean that it goes to the time limit right it means that it hits how long it's supposed to go right so like again that's- yeah it, yeah it does it doesn't it doesn't mean that it just means hell it, yeah I hit your time means like yeah i booked i booked i booked this to go six and a half minutes and whatever wherever else a time limit is yeah if they happen to go that long the match is over right so yes this is psychotic and the final rule number eight if you want to hashtag control your narrative, you have to fight. But who? But who are you fighting? Yourself. Fighting yourself. You are fighting yourself. <laughs> but why am I in matches at that point? You're, you have to fight yourself. That's the only way to control your narrative. See, this is the build. It's the final thing. Is you have to fight yourself in a fight that, which means it goes on as long as it takes. Um, and yeah, I guess. That's how you control your narrative in the end. Uh, this this shit is stupid as fuck. It really is. And for the purely for the sake of comedy, I'm glad that this exists. I'm glad that I get to laugh at this. I'm glad that I we get to make fun of EC3 and Braun Strowman and Austin Aries. Like I'm perfectly I'm perfectly fine with this. Um, but yeah, I. <laughs> I got no, I got no word for how stupid this shit this shit is. Literally, yeah, the stupidest shit going. Um, I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> um, I see people saying like, "Oh, you're giving them all the attention, and that's what they want." I don't, uh, I don't think that matters because nobody's watching the shows or paying them money. We're all just kind of laughing at them and making fun of them. Um, so I don't see an issue with that. Um, I would like some answers. I have some questions that I would like some answers. So maybe I'll have to try to figure out a way to get into the rant room, um, so that I can figure out. Like, I need someone to actually go into the rant room. I need someone to like actually go to one of these shows and do it. I, th- I need like bad wrestling, the bad wrestling podcast, or something like a fucking correspondent to yes. the to the to the rant room. Yeah. I, like, I I need I need to see this. I need. Everything involving the rant room, I need rant room content. I'm, I'll be perfectly honest here. I will never watch a control your narrative nope. show. You, there will never be a control your narrative show reviewed on this podcast. But if someone can go to the rant room 
and come on this podcast to talk to us oh, about yeah. it, I'm all for it. Please, 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 please do. Someone reach out, let us know. Anyone who's been in the rant room at all in any way, I'm more. I really gotta figure out what number one what it is because I don't know that I understand what the rant room really is. Um, and number two, yeah, what the experience is like. Ah, uh, yeah, that's uh something else. Quentin, was there any other news and foolishness from the internet that we needed to talk about? I mean, there's like a, a less pleasant thing to talk about. Uh, what was that? Uh, Scott Hall. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking only about stupid internet stuff, but yes. Um, terrible, obviously. Uh, you know, just in in the sense that, like, someone died. Um, but yeah, Quentin, what are your, uh, yeah, feel free. What, what thoughts do you have on Scott? I mean, just in general, it's like there will be few wrestlers ever as cool as Scott Hall, and that's gonna be that's gonna be like the prevailing opinion on him. And it was nice to see how we got his life back on track in the last in the last ten in the last ten years or so, and got to extend his extend his life when things were already shaky for him for a, for a long for a long period of time before that. But yeah, I think the, I think the lasting image I want to have of Scott Hall is one of the coolest wrestlers ever whether it is like like you know a white a white guy in spray tan uh pretend, pretending yeah. to be uh <laughs> pretending to pretend, pretending to be cuban yeah <laughs> you know like whether it's that or just as like scott hall coming out in the nwo and the outsiders and everything it's like things eventually caught up to him uh Scott, because Scott always had the capability of being a good worker, especially in WWF. He was mostly a pretty good worker, I would say. Injuries and other stuff catches up to him in WCW, and like the good matches do get a little bit fewer and far between. But Scott, at his best, and he was never pushed as one of these guys, is like just magnetizing. If he stayed in WWF, he probably is like could have gotten a world title run at some point. Maybe there was a maybe there was a ceiling on how high that Razor Ramon act could take him. Maybe it would have taken a repackaging, but Scott was always just so mag- magnetizing. Going back and watching that stuff, and he's a bit he's like he's like you can't re- like you can't tell the story of like WCW doing whatever they did and like uh, taking taking over taking over the rate the ratings war and becoming the success they were for that short period of time without Scott Hall. He's that he's that he's that important to it. So. I don't know, like I don't know if you have any more to say about Scott than I do. You're a bit, you're a bit older than me, so yeah, I might have uh, more, more Scott, more Scott memories because everything Scott for me is pretty much just going back and looking at stuff. Sure. But yeah, that's uh, that's all, that's all I had on Scott. I just wanted to acknowledge that. Yeah, um, you know, like I I won't get into a ton of it really. I you know I'm I'm not like the major historian on Scott Hall. I did do some you know. I definitely did watch a ton of his early stuff, uh, even before he was Razor Ramon, um, in the past. And, I mean, a guy who was pretty instantly got it and instantly pretty good, um, sticks out in a lot of ways because, because uh, he was, like, you know, the wrestler of the clique, um, until, like, one two three kid comes in, um, and the wrestling fan, you know, the guy who, like, was into it that way, um you know and uh and it was just uh he was the i mean honestly he was one of the best wrestlers that there was for the like in the 90s like he was fucking awesome you talked about it there but in wwe he was so 
good. He's so talented. I think um, per- perpetually underrated as a wrestler. I mean, really. Like, it's insane to say, but it's just true. Charismatic as fuck. Like, nuts charismatic. And he was just a big, goofy, kind of, you know, not really Southern. He's he's actually from Baltimore, which I didn't, or not Baltimore, but Maryland. Did you know that? He's from St. Mary's County. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, so he's from uh, from Maryland. Um, I don't even know what he, what do you consider that like Atlantic like uh, mid mid Atlantic I guess like yeah like mid Atlantic but like either way Maryland is like uh, Maryland is like you can call it Northeast mid Atlantic it just doesn't doesn't really matter but I think for like so let's for the, for these days let's call it mid Atlantic right like you know mid Atlantic boy with kind of a southernish twang in the beginning um, they even I because I thought about that and I was like. I swear to God, I thought that he was from Texas because I was looking through and thinking about early Scott Hall stuff, and then I realized it was because uh, he did some kind of tour of J- in Japan, and they called him Texas Scott, and they had him play a big cowboy character. Um, so because he kind of had that vibe early on, he kind of fit that. Um, obviously, the tag team with Dan Spivey is where he first started getting you know some kind of push and something. Not there wasn't anything huge there, um, but uh, it was something. The Diamond Stud, which I actually, it was funny because a couple weeks ago I heard somebody and they're talking about DDP and they called him the fucking Diamond Stud. Um, and I, you know, I was going to call reference it or make fun of the person or whatever, but I didn't. Um, because I was like, the Diamond Stud was Scott Hall, not DDP, right? But uh, but yeah, the Diamond Stud stuff was when you really started to see like, okay, this is going to be like maybe a guy, but he's got to figure out the personality. And it's so funny because he was like... He kind of like had the the Tom Selleck mustache and that whole vibe, and it was like, oh, he's like gonna be like another Magnum TA or something. He's he's a good like wrestler, good enforcer, kind of muscle guy for someone like DDP, who's the flamboyant character, um, who's got all the hoopla going around. But you're like, okay, this is kind of gonna be what he is, like a um, uh, you know, like a carpenter kind of guy, worker, got that kind of good old boy look. Um, and, he, and he and he wasn't thought of as like a super rookie. I don't, I, would, no. I wouldn't think so. Not like in a not like in a way that like Ray like Ray Trailer was when Ray Trailer first came into like no. WCW, where people were like, "Oh shit!" Like if you go back and watch him, he's like amazing. Scott is you see you see it with him. You see like the potential that someone got behind him. He could be a big star somewhere, but like he wasn't like this like supernova like on the scene rookie either. Right. I mean, so yeah, there was the story that like theoretically. Um, uh, AWA Vern Gagne wanted to like do something with him like that and make him a big time star, but he wasn't ready at that point, and it just never happened because AWA was falling apart, right? Um, but yeah, like there's there's there was definitely you could see something was there, but it was like he's gonna need something, and then fucking hell if the Razor Ramon character doesn't show up, and then instantly even though he is doing you know like subtle brown face <laughs> and being like a Cuban character and ripping off a uh, Scarface. Um, this is just a totally different person. This is just, like, a guy, like I said, tons of insane natural charisma, and everything just comes together. Like I said, the work was always there, but the emotional investment and what ends up becoming his calling card, which is that, 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 uh, you know, the charisma and people getting invested in everything he does because of effortlessly cool. And it's so interesting to think of Scott Hall as growing up a big wrestling fan, super excited to be in the wrestling business and then he hooks up with kevin nash and plays this aloof character 
And like you think of him as not that guy, not that guy anymore. But he was always that guy. He was always in love with wrestling, and that's why he worked so hard to try to help younger wrestlers get over. Uh, why he worked so hard to like help the wrestling business, even when he was having his personal problems. I mean, the ECW story, like he gets kicked out and all that stuff. Like he didn't take the ECW booking because he needed to. You know, he took it because. He loved wrestling, and he wanted to help out a small company when he was in between jobs, um, and probably didn't, you know, probably didn't have the chance to go right back to WWF at the time. He's off the rails a little bit, but fuck it. Like, I got some name value, I got some credibility, I can do something. And should he have, like, not shown up completely wasted acting like an idiot? Yes, of course. But you could say that about his entire life. Um, in a weird way, he's, you know, he's blessed and cursed. Um, just an insane life. Before he even gets into wrestling, he you know, self-defense or whatever you say, but, like, was involved in a man's death, um, you know, like, even before he gets into wrestling. So it's like, God damn, like, this guy, he lived a fucking life. He really did. Um, and it's funny because just last week <laughs> we are talking about the coolest wrestlers in the history of wrestling and mentioned Scott Hall. You know, that was just last week. There was no thought of anything coming up with him or anything like that, but just off of, off of nothing, talking about uh, Swerve Strickland being, you know, so contemporarily actually cool in the moment um and scott hall was the same thing like a guy who was out of all the, the you know wrestling history where, where any wrestlers are like cool they're not cool in time uh scott was like actually cool for the moment fuck like did you see the um everyone's posting or not everyone but they're posting the uh the scott hall versus tanahashi match uh which, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, we'll be around. Uh, it was uh, after, but it was around the time when he did the ECW thing. He's coming out to the Fugees, um, which is, like, was still cool. <laughs> you know? Like, again, that's what we talk about. He's like, it's cool. He knows what's cool. Um, it's a weird thing because you wouldn't think of that. Like, why the fuck is Scott Hall coming out to the Fugees? But it's, like, because he, like, he, he gets what's cool. And that's a cool song. <laughs> so he comes out to it. It's, like, similar similar vibe where the guy just, like, gets it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, definitely a... Uh, Definitely a bummer in a lot of ways, but fuck it. I mean, titles are for marks, obviously. <laughs> They're props. It's stupid. I don't really care that he wasn't world champion. I do care that he wasn't able to get out of his own way for long enough to have like a um, have the career that he could have had. Because he was so fucking good and so charismatic that, uh, that he's already a Hall of Fame level wrestler. He's already a guy who... You can't tell the story of professional wrestling, especially not in the, in America, without talking about Scott Hall. He's the first member of NWO to show up in WCW, which the NWO becomes one of the most important things that's ever happened in American wrestling. Obviously, um, he you know he kicks that whole thing off. All of that, all of that still, and this is a guy who had personal demons, bad choices, and addiction cut his career off at the knees. So think about how good he could have been without that stuff. It's 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 really crazy to think about. Yeah, like, I think that's just also ultimately the thing that winds up being a big, a big what if is what Scott's career could have been if those if those things didn't wind 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 up taking him off track. Because like you said, it's the work was there. You go back and watch Razor Ramon. The work is the work is there. He had like even not just like the big stuff with Michaels, but you can go like find random raw stuff. And he was a really good squash worker. I like watching his squashes and just like general random gems on, uh, on raw constantly. So that's, de that's definitely one of the super unfortunate parts, you know, other than, other than like a guy that lived with addiction and 
all those health problems for so long and eventually like those things do lasting damage to your body and that's why it's like a miracle that he even got those extra years if you want to call them that after doing ddp yoga because you know like his body was already like super damaged by by that point and that's like just a super unfortunate part and even after climbing himself back out and doing everything he could to be on the straight and narrow and live a good like healthy rest of his life which it seems like he did by, by most by most accounts is you know you can't you can't undo that damage ultimately yeah no that's uh that's it that's uh again like i said a bummer you know but <laughs> bummer is not the right word for it but definitely a, a really shitty thing to happen um and again just a, such a major question in the history of wrestling like what if um either way quentin i guess now we can move move on to the wrestling do you want to run through new japan first or you want to do these uh this uh west coast pro show Let's do New Japan first. Right, cool. We can just get the cherry picked one out the way. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, night one. What did you What did you watch on here? Okada Despi. Anything else? Okada Okada Despi. I'm forgetting what else, what else is on here. Uh, you got Sima versus uh, Taka, which is actually really a Washima. Yeah, a Washima versus Taka. Really fun. A good match. I thought. Uh, I liked the super match. cool. It was super cool. Yeah. Just really fucking cool, man. Like to like see these guys like. At this point, all these years later, after both being like mid nine mid nineties guys, and like to come back and like be doing that in a new in a new Japan ring, it's just like cool as fuck. Like just generally, just really cool. Shima's still good. It's been cool to see Taka back in New Japan after he got ousted for cheating, and while Katsuri Shibata, yes, you know, <laughs> got a little slap on the wrist. Or uh, didn't get anything really because yeah. they buried it with because uh, they buried it with Okada's engagement, but um, it's, it's, nice, it's nice to see it's nice to see Taka back, and I think that he still he could still go obviously, but it was like a, it was like a fun little novelty thing. Yeah, it was that was the big thing, and seeing them on the mat trading trading some back and forth was was uh, a lot of fun. Obviously, um, there's uh, yeah that, that was like the main thing, and then I was kind of like uh, kind of like taken aback by um the meteora i was like uh fuck i can't believe like sima still does the meteora as like his main move you think his knees would be fucked up by this point um but uh i guess not i guess not um and then yeah there was the uh the the talk did you watch the taka el desperado match from just tap out from the taka taichi mania no i didn't it's really fucking great so i would highly recommend that but uh but speaking of uh you know el desperado there nothing else on the first night is like really worth checking out um except for like i would say jeff cobb versus toge makabe it's, it's not good but it's just part of the jeff cobb in this tournament because i think that he's the one i and i don't know if you've skipped all of cobb's matches or if you've seen any of them um but he's been really fucking good at the tournament. I mean, obviously, everyone's been saying he's been really good for a while now, and especially in New Japan. But uh, like you were talking about feeling like you're getting back into New Japan, I'm, I'm kind of getting back into New Japan too, and Jeff Cobb in this I've been like pretty pretty into. Um, the other one, Bitana and Yo. Uh, inter- just interesting takeaway here uh, with uh, just how Tanahashi can still move when he's chain wrestling. Like, he doesn't look like he's, you know aged uh in for like the past 10 years when he's chain wrestling but like the moving around and running kind of fucks him up um but grappling with yo he looks great uh 
Yo working over the knee and leg here just like really made it even more glaring to me that he should be in show the show heel position in House of Torture. He's just like would be so much fucking better at that. Um, but uh, yeah, New Japan is dumb as fuck. Okada and Despy, obviously you said you saw it. What uh, what did you think of this? I mean, it's, it's, it's great. It's great to see the junior champ and heavyweight champ go in there. Despy, I'm, I'm, it's been so cool to see Despy just rise to the ranks like this, hasn't it? It's, yeah. It's cool to see, like, Despy's always been good, and no one ever thought Despy would get to this point, like, this, like, at this stage of his, at this stage of his career, but it's been, it's been great to see, and he proves he belongs time and time in, at the time in and time out. Like, personally, I like him in these bigger spots versus heavyweights more than Hiromu. I think that he. I think that he's. I think that he's. He delivers better, whether it's the Abushi match from last year or here versus Okada. I think that Despy's better in these kind of spots than I've seen Hiromu be. And like, granted, we haven't gotten stuff like Naito versus Hiromu. We haven't got Okada versus Hiromu and stuff like that. I would like to see even Abushi versus. Hiromu. I think Abushi versus Hiromu might have happened. I know Ishi versus Hiromu did. Yeah, yeah. I know Ishi versus Hiromu did. But um, like this stuff that I still want to see Hiromu do, but it feels like Despy's just like better suited for that he just like has a style that is really conducive in order in in, in uh into making into making these kind of matches work and this was my favorite okada match that i've seen that i've seen in a bit i thought despy didn't look super out of his death i didn't think he looked super out of his element okada looked valiant and strong despite the fact that he was getting his leg worked over the whole time and i thought it, it built it built to a built to a great finish and you know, obviously, you don't think Okada's gonna lose to Despy, but it does enough to reel you in and like not make you think it's a totally ridiculous premise. So, I loved the match. I thought it was executed super well, and like my main takeaway was just like, yeah, wow, Despy is like really good at these matches versus the bigger guys. Yeah, I uh, I definitely see where you're coming from on that, um, especially because he brings like a uniqueness to the matches that you don't get. Um, from really anyone else the varied style he doesn't that was like the biggest the, the the biggest bummer on this match for me honestly was that like after having a really unique interesting match that it felt like they tacked on kind of the the stand bog standard new japan counter dancing ending sequence um because yeah like they told this insane story where desperado is the smaller guy he's the underdog he's a junior against the, the ace you know the top guy but he's in control for most of the match um he's working over the leg constantly he's on it at all times he's like never giving up he even at one point mocks the rainmaker pose like he's like really like in control but there's just nothing that he can do to out like to outstand that Okada is bigger and throws bigger strikes. And that's basically the only game that Okada has to beat him. And Despy just being like wrestling that style, coming across definitely like a heel, um, but I still like want to root for him like an underdog in the matchup against Okada here. It was just very, very unique style of match executed super well um and yeah so i'm i'm definitely with you uh that uh that yeah despy is fucking great in this kind of setting um and this match like really really delivered um so so yeah night two um i don't know what you watched on here um i will say that i had not seen aaron hanare hanare in a while um so the only takeaway i had from his match here against uh nakashima was uh that he looks like Don Fry, and it looks like he's doing a Don Fry gimmick, or at least, like, tribute gimmick, and I didn't realize that, and it kind of kicks ass. Uh, so, yeah. 
Um, otherwise, uh, did you watch Saber versus o Oia? No, I didn't. I didn't see that. So I plan on watching Zack versus Okan. I think that's happening this. Uh, should be tomorrow. Tomorrow morning. Yeah, should be tomorrow. Tomorrow morning. But I haven't seen any, any of Zack's matches yet. Okay. Did you watch anything on night two then? I can't remember what's on night two. Uh, <laughs> like we like we're like thirteen. We're like thirteen nights in now. Uh, Zack and Oya, Bushi and Osprey, um, and I can't remember anything else. I didn't. I did not write. Like I said, I, I there's a few things that I skipped. So there's probably a match in there that I skipped. Um, either way, night three, Evil versus, uh, Taguchi, uh, Taguchi tried, but he was really just being goofy. It's kind of funny, because Taguchi is just, like, openly mocking how stupid the Evil gimmick is, so I gotta give him credit for that. He's, like, ribbon on the square, even. Um, Hiromu and Sho, uh, yeah, I don't know, did you watch this? Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I go ahead. I don't know what to make of Hiromu at this point, and I know this match isn't his fault. Like, it's just in general with, like, how they do this House of Torture shit. But I really don't know what to make of Hiromu at this point in time. And, like, we'll get to that when we get to the, the Hiromu, Hiromu versus Minoru Suzuki match. But I'm just not sure how I feel about him anymore. Okay. Yeah, that's... I mean, that's fair. I thought, I thought that he was... He's working really hard here. Um, I like that Hiromu does a mix in his matches of like the modern like spot fest style, but he does like some selling and drama in there. Um, and show is kind of game for a lot of that that's going on, but you know then it obviously turns into you know House of Torture bullshit, cheap win that seemed like there was no point for it. Uh, you know, kind of flash pin or whatever um, didn't not, did not at all seem necessary. So yeah, I just. I'm with you. I think maybe I like I'm I'm more okay with where Hiromu is right now than you are, but uh, even still, I did not uh, did not appreciate the way that went. Ishi versus Shingo. This is a match I saw a lot of people going crazy for. What uh, what did you think? This is good, but I feel like we've already seen this match a bunch of times, and I feel like it's been a diminishing returns thing. The first time we saw it, it was like. Oh my god, we finally got Shingo versus Ishii a few years ago, and it was amazing and great, and it just felt like finally these two guys meeting up, and they've had a, they've had a few more matches since then, and it just felt like diminishing returns, which I think is the a large, uh, pretty much a pretty, a pretty common thing for a lot of Ishii matchups at this point, sadly, sad to say. So, it's good, it's like... On every fundamental level of what they're going out there to try to execute, from like how hard they're hitting each other, to the execution of these things, and the selling and whatnot, because Ishii and Shingo are both fantastic sellers, it's all good from that regard, but it's just not anything that's going to be like super eye-popping and keep my attention at this point, because I've already seen this fireworks show a couple of different times now, and it's just, you know, get less impressed by it at some point. Yeah, I can definitely see that, and it felt like a like a toned down, turned down the volume version of their matches from the past. Um, but uh, I mean, still, I, like another one where I thought it was good for being like go 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 modern style, keep the fans hot even if they can't react. So it's hard to even say how they really feel, but also having a ton of selling and drama in between the two. Um, and I'll have something like a comparison point on this for a later uh, to, uh, Shingo match, but uh, this is kind of a setup to to do that. Um, Dick Togo versus Hiroki Goto. It's like 
Dick Togo can actually still wrestle, but it's fucking just a bunch of dumb bullshit with how the torture stuff. Um, but it's just, it sucks to watch because I'm like, damn, this guy like had some good matches relatively recently. Um, and then now he just does this kind of bullshit and like isn't even really thought of as a wrestler in this company. Um, it's fucking weird because I, like, you can't, it's, Togo's like Chris Hero where like you can't, until I see otherwise, you can't convince me that he's a bad wrestler. Right. I need like actual proof that he is not a good wrestler and then I'll not want to see him. So, like, for this to, like, be what he's doing right now is just, yeah, like, it's so frustrating. Yeah. You Did you watch this match? Yeah, I did. Okay. Like I said, like, but, but just, like, my general thoughts on it yeah. is, like, I still, like, he had, one of, he had, like, the best Noah match of the year a couple years ago. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. so it's, like, so it's, like, fucking strange. It's, yeah, it's, it just doesn't make any fucking sense. Uh, but, but I get it. Like, he's moved on. He has booking power and, like... All that kinds of shit. I get it, but it's like, damn. Like I would like, I would like if you spent less time with your shitty stable than, <laughs> you know, and, and, and more and more time like wrestling because you're probably still really good at it. Yeah, I mean, he definitely is. Um, yeah, uh, Kanemaru versus Sima. Um, I mean, this was another one where it's like pretty decent to see two older guys going out there still doing the thing. Um, I like that there was some solid knee work kind of stuff um, from uh, Kanemaru. And, uh, yeah, but it was like, again, it was another one that's fine. Uh, Shima selling the knee, but then hits a, you know, hits a Meteora that continues to sell it. Like, it was just a little bit of that kind of stuff in the match. Um, he, and he continues to sell the knee post-match, even though he kind of forgot about it during the match. So, you know, just classic kind of that 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 vibe. Um, it was good when they were just on the mat and, and, like, the back and forth. That was solid, but then, yeah, they, obviously it's got to turn into high spots and whatever. Not, I mean, not that it's bad, but just it wasn't great. Um, Okada versus Watto. Don't really care about the match, but this is where I, I really fucking, like, looked at it. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on with the buys? Like... The buys don't make any fucking sense. They, they <laughs> and this was the most glaring one. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why did why does Watto have a buy? Why does Watto get a buy to face Okada? Why did Okada have to prove himself? In a why first does Okada match? have to face himself? Yeah. Like the champion had to had to prove himself to get to, Watto. to face Master Watto. Yeah. <laughs> and then I looked through it and I was like, there isn't a single buy that makes sense. From, like, a credibility standpoint, except for, um, uh, fucking, uh, Minoru Suzuki. And, like, every other buy doesn't make any fucking sense. At all. Like, based on who's getting a buy and who they're facing, it's completely backwards. I don't understand who fucking put this together and, like, doesn't understand how this shit works. It's, like, fucking insanely confusing. But this was the one where it was so glaring that it like I actually went out of my way to go and look but like most of the young boys in the tournament got buys I don't understand why like I don't get it yeah this was whatever like I said I don't care about the match but that was to sell to, to sell to sell tickets I guess I, I don't I don't know yeah I guess the that was the idea like you get people in the in the door um whatever uh night you know what you could do to, to, to avoid this problem is stop running so many to- stop running so many nights for the New Japan fucking Cup. That's oh, a good idea. Um, and here's the real. Yeah, you just not you. you <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go. What were you saying? 
I'm just saying, like, yeah, you could just not run as many nights for New Japan Cup because you're going to run a big tour anyway for G1. Yeah, and here's the real question. Why did they uh, have to get a New Japan Cup? They could have just put the old one in the washer. Um, that's a, a joke oh, for great. the RBR for the RBR heads out there. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll get the reference on that one. Um, night five. That, that was a joke purely for Simon. Yes, exactly. He'll probably be the only person who, uh, who gets it. Um, night five is Yoshihashi against Fujita. Uh, I did not. I don't think I took notes on it because I didn't care. Um, and or Naito versus Goto. I didn't. I just didn't even watch it. I'm like, fuck this. Um, Cobb and Kojima. Fine. Again, this is Cobb continues to look good. Kojima can can keep up with him, and he still rocks at doing, you know, Kojima stuff. But it's a New Japan Cup and the you know semi main event spot, so it's not a big deal. Um, and then Tanahashi versus Fale. I don't know if you watched it. I did. Like, you know, we've seen Tanashi versus Fale how many, yeah. like, for how, how many years at this point? Usually, like, at least once a year. Like, they're good matches. Yep. They're, good, they're, good, they're, good, they're good matches. They know, to work, they know to work together. Yeah, but it's like... This is okay. Um, even Tanahashi is, like, worn thin on the idea that he has to give any respect to, to Fale as a monster. Like, he, he puts together a solid match with him, but he still has to have outside interference to lose or, or you know, to, like... Yeah, so it's like... Or to, like, give him anything. Like, in the past, it would be, like, respect to Fale, and he has to, like, sell big for him and make him look like a monster. Now it's like, ah, you know, we'll let the other guys get involved, and I'll still beat you. <laughs> it's like, fuck it. Like, that's... It's pretty much where he's at now, right? Um, the, uh... Night 6... ZSJ versus Doki. Zack Sabre Jr. Um, is it Doki or Dokai? I don't even... I think it's Doki. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Great Okan versus Taichi Asamori. Did you watch that? I did. Okay. Uh, this was so weird. I, I didn't dislike it. Yeah. But like, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like Okan. Like I'll give Okan this. He's usually the most interesting part of his matches. Like, oh yes. I think that whatever. Like he's always super interesting in his matches. In the and like how he plays off people. Like he's actually like actually a guy where like I want. Okay, I want to see you versus everybody. So from this, like Okan isn't the problem. I've just haven't been interested in Ishimori in so long at this point that it was like a cool novelty thing to see the novelty novelty thing to see like little ass Ishimori in the ring with Okan and like trying to do all the trying to do all these different like tricks and shit around him, but it was just like it, yeah, it just didn't really like capture me much other than that. Yeah, it was. This is the weirdest fucking shit. Like Taichi takes a powder early, just uses a chair right in front of the referee, and the referee doesn't do jack shit. Um, and then Okan is selling his arm after getting it smashed with the, and like, just keeps selling the arm the entire match. And like, almost any other setting, it would be like a major like you know feather in his cap. Um, that, and that's the saying from uh, Wheel of Fortune that, that people couldn't catch. Um, that like he was so good at consistently selling it, be it, even when he was on offense. Um, and it was just it was really fucking good. But like, it w- felt so out of place and so fucking weird in this match against Ishimori that Okan was like over the top selling like this guy is working his ass I mean, off yeah I'm, I mean I think he, I think he has to because otherwise like how is he gonna make Ishimori look credible that's right. the thing like it's so, like he kind of like he kind of has to yeah but it's just when you see someone like Okan in New Japan right now with the way that like I talked about with Tanahashi and Fale were not bad but Tanahashi feels almost like he's sleepwalking through it you see what Naito the effort that he's putting out during the New Japan Cup um, and then you've got 
you know, Cobb and Okan, really, who are, like, putting in effort, like, this is peak, you know, New Japan is the greatest wrestling promotion in the world. They're, like, major thought and putting all this kind of work into a fucking Taichi Ishimori match that, like, feels like it should just be a nothing throwaway. It's, like, it's really fucking glaring. Um, Okan fucking rules. I mean, he's in, he's in here, he's able to sell while being in control. He looks like a beast, but he's got weakness. His facials are great. Everything he does is great. It's just, it's... It just feels so fucking weird in this setting now because it, like, it almost feels like a match out of its time, out of its place. It's a wrestler out of his time, out of his place. Like he should have been, he should have been in New Japan at the peak, being a monster there, and he would have been like a big time star. Um, yeah, that was it was just really something else. Um, Osprey versus uh, ELP El Fantasmo. Did you watch this one? No, no, no. Can't no. blame you. Cannot blame you. No. It was nowhere near as stupid as the Super J Cup match, but uh, that does not make it good. Um, Sonata versus Hanare. Did you watch this? I'm sure you didn't. You said Okada versus Hanare? No, Sonata. Sonata versus Hanare. Oh, fuck no. <laughs> yeah, of course you didn't watch it, but we'll say I did not hate Sonare, or Sonata in this setting. Sonare. Sonare. That's, that's the name of the couple. Um, I did not hate Sonata in this setting. Like, if he's working against someone who I don't perceive of as above him in the hierarchy or better than him, I, like, I'm kind of more okay with him. Um, and, like, again, this is, like, one of the only buys that makes sense <laughs> because, like, he's re- he got a buy. Sonata gets a buy as a champion to wrestle against Hanare. Um, and like I said, I'm I'm digging the Hanare's vibe. He's he's kind of wrestling like the shooter gimmick. He looks like uh, like Don Fry, um, and uh, you know he's a good looking dude. So I'm just like fuck it, I like this. It's fine. It was fine. I'm not saying it was a great match. I have it. I gave it less than three stars. You know, two and a half. But uh, that said, like on paper, I would have expected this to be bad. So I was pretty impressed with what I got, and the fact that like I said kind of okay with Sonata in this setting. Like, Sonata wrestling someone who I don't think of as, like, w- way, way better than him pisses me off because they always make him, like, look like he's better than them. But wrestling someone who I look at as, like, lower than him, it's like, yeah, fine, that's cool. Um, so, yeah, that was uh, that was my takeaway there. Uh, Chase Owens Tiger Mats. I said, fuck that. Let me guess, you watched it? <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah. Um, Shingo and Tongaloa. I'm going to guess you didn't watch it, right? No, I haven't, I haven't watched Shingo versus yeah. Tongaloa. Okay, so this is what I was talking about, about, like, comparison. So this is, on paper, if you just kind of watch this, it looks like the same kind of match. But Shingo is really smart at knowing who he's working and making the most out of it. With the Ishii match, it's, like, it's definitely a big hoss fight or, you know, you know, bulls going at each other, but there's a lot more pathos to it. It's, a like, kind of a story of, like, the perennial underdog and the back and forth and the struggle and the drama. And then this is just jock wrestling this is just hard bodied these guys go at it fucking kick the shit out of each other and that's it and it's just dumb it's like there's no layer there's not a lot of layered drama there's none of that and like i said you could just look at it and you don't really pay attention looks like the same thing but when you're paying attention to it and really looking at it like there is a difference um that's it i thought this match kicked ass i actually did give it three stars i would say check this one out because it's just it's fun really okay and they kick each other's asses it's basic simple just jock wrestling at its best um, Evil versus Tamatanga. My only note here was Bullet Club implodes. Uh, this is fucking stupid. I'm sick of Bullet Club. Uh, I'm sure you didn't watch it. Yeah, of course, of course not. You can't get me to care about Bullet Club drama in 2022. 
Hiromu Takahashi versus Minoru Suzuki. You did mention it, so I'm assuming you watched this. Uh, tell me about that uh, is correct. your issues with, uh, with Hiromu here. Okay, so like, I don't think this is a bad match. I just also feel like it's like completely devoid of anything that would make a Minoru Suzuki and Hiromu Takahashi match interesting. Like, they slap the shit of each other in the chest, they chop each other, there's chest blood, cool. That's all nice and cool, and they're wacky and shit. But, like, even then they didn't delve into the wackiness and the facial expressions as much as they could have, I felt like. Or, like, exploring more of, like, the junior dynamic bet- bet- between those two, I feel like. And, obviously, Hiromu has, heavy- has heavyweight wins, and he's, like... That line is getting more blurred, and he has to have no problem beat him with him beating heavyweights, as we just as we see with him beating Minoru Suzuki here. But like, I don't know. I would have liked to see some, something that highlighted like their different strategies and shit instead of just going for a full on pissing contest kind of match. And like, that's Hiromu's thing. Sometimes he does it, so it's not like it's completely out of the ordinary for him. Or something that's outside of his character, he does kind of work that style a lot, but. I don't know, I would have just wanted something where it was more Hiromu trying to push the pace on this older guy and Minoru Suzuki, you know, being the dangerous veteran trying to find all, trying to find these clever ways in order to make sure Hiromu couldn't do that and instead they just met in the middle and the middle was cool, but it's like alright, like it's not that's not really what I want to see from these guys either. So I don't know. It was a weird match for me. Frustrating and frustrating in some kind of ways. A little bit of a frustrating watch. Part of me wonders if Hiromu can ever do something with a structure that's interesting anymore. I feel like the, like there's been a long time in which it's been a long time since I felt like that in a Hiromu match where like oh yeah like the way this is laid out and worked grabbed me. And he has good matches because he can go out there and hit hard and do crazy moves and he's expressive and stuff like that and the things that reel you in. But I don't know. It's been, it's been a long time since I've seen a Hiromu match layout. I'll be like, oh, wow, that was like a really cool idea. And I feel like this would have been the opportunity to do that. And it just doesn't happen. Um, yeah, I agree with you on that. But I liked what they did here. Um, I think that it ha- definitely had flaws because they just sort of like... They did like a cool to me. They did something just basic and simple with just chopping the fuck out of each other over and over again until the point that uh, Suzuki's chest is bleeding. Uh, but then they just completely lose focus and start brawling around the ring and do a ref bump and all this other stupidness that they didn't need to do. Um, so yeah, like this match I thought was was something unique and then just turned into a bunch of the same like New Japan trope bullshit. Um, and uh, and. It felt like it was it just got bad and was a little bit too long. And uh, this is one where I wish that there was a crowd, you know, reaction to really gauge. Because then I could say more than just my opinion, but, like, if they kept the crowd or not. Because it's it's hard for me to say when I'm, like, I think that the, they, they completely lost the narrative and dropped the, the quality of the match towards the end. Because if the crowd had, had continued and stuck with it, then I could say, like, well, but, you know, the crowd stayed with them, so whatever. Um... My opinion is I you know didn't like the finish and the ending sequences, but you know the beginning part was good and it worked for the crowd. That's one thing, um, but with no crowd reaction, I can't really even say that. So I just have to say like, 
opening stuff I, I enjoyed. I liked the brutality of the chops back and forth. I thought that that was good. I thought that doing basically like a, a dick measuring contest with Hiromu and, and Suzuki was a kind of u- neat thing to do. Um, and I don't think you need to play up the junior and heavyweight dynamic between them. Um, no, not, not, like, not even just like that. It was just like different style more so. That, that is what, I guess what, sure, what I meant sure. more. Yeah, I get you. I get you. I, I thought that it was a different take on something that you could do between the two and it was unexpected to me. So in the moment I was caught up with it and into it. Um, and then, like I said, it kind of just fell apart and turned into like stereotypical New Japan bullshit, stereotypical Suzuki bullshit, and just kind of like eh, whatever. But uh, but I did I liked the beginning bit. Um, obviously, like I said, it fell apart from there. Um, Goto versus Shima. Uh, did you check that out? Oh, this is night eight. Goto versus Shima. Did you see that one? I did. Okay. Um, I think I thought I thought Shima fit in. Pretty pretty well here. I think that like for the most part, when you see like a Goto match on paper, I think like the first thought is to skip it because Goto hasn't been interesting for a few years now. But I see this on paper, I was like, oh wow, like I feel like they could have some really cool chemistry, and I thought it, and I, and, I, and I, I thought it was uh thought I wound up being right there. I, I like this a lot. Did you like? Yeah, it? Yeah, I liked it a lot. I gave it three stars. I liked the. I really, really enjoyed the finish with the sneaky meteora from the middle rope to the back, and then the regular one on the middle rope to the front. Um, to follow that up, I thought that that was a cool dynamic to play off of because you kind of told the story in the match that both with the uh, the prior uh, Sima match with his knee getting worked over, and then here again um, that with his knees he wasn't going to be able to you know get up fast enough to hit the meteora, um, and and he's wrestling a, a bigger wrestler who's countering him more and more so he's kind of you know nullified both in speed and in power um but he sneaks it he comes out of nowhere with kind of a sneaky finish so i thought that that was a neat little wrinkle on top of already having a really enjoyable back and forth match um like i said the basic story have you have you have you you felt about shima being pushed in new japan cup i love it i think he fits right in i think the rest of strong hearts fit right in in the company and i think it's fucking phenomenal and i think it's it's kind of a good it sucks because it doesn't feel as big as it could but it's a it's the kind of mix up and breath of fresh air that they need um now we also need like like i've mentioned many times we need like the team filthy showing up in new japan kind of thing to really like breathe some new life into this fucking company but but shima and strong hearts is definitely a, a, a boost for sure um and them taking him seriously in commentary putting him over as a legend and or not a legend but a veteran and a big deal kind of guy is has been really nice as well um the other new japan cup match on this night is okada versus taichi i'm gonna assume that you saw this for sure um yeah, I saw it. Yeah, so um, I'll say that I I kind of liked it. I thought it was okay, um, but like <laughs> my biggest these two Taiji is so fucking weird, dude. Yeah. Like, like he's had he had a he's had, he'll have a, like a really good G one, but then like sometimes they go with the match structure and a match approach where I'm like. No, that just wasn't it for me. Like, and like it happened to me with that with that big uh, Taichi Naito match. It's been another Okada Taichi match that I thought was absolutely fucking horrible. Like, it's always these kind of matches. It's like the ones where Taichi doesn't seem to overthink it or go out there with like these big other plans in mind, like versus Shingo or versus Ibushi or versus Ishi or whoever else. That the match is usually awesome and kicks ass whenever it's like one of these kind of guys like a tippy top elite guy 
that's like not necessarily like a like a big bomb throwing hard hitter. Taichi just I don't know, he just fuck like he just completely just doesn't land for me at all. Yeah. Um this is a weird one because I actually and I I mentioned this before listening to the English commentary, I get something out of it. This was solo Kevin Kelly, which is absolutely brutal. Um now I will say that Kevin Kelly with Chris Charlton has gotten to a point where it's not much better um, because during one match, and I don't remember what it was, they were... Oh, you know what it was? It was Nagata Goto. Um, They sound like drunken fucking frat boys sitting on their couch, staying up until 2 a.m. watching New Japan World... Or, you know, New Japan on fucking, like, uh, uh, oh, God, like Nico Nico or something from back in the day because they're, like... They were doing, like, this droning, harmonizing tandem chant... Uh, for for Nagata to do the rolling his eyes in the back of his head thing that just it, it struck me in a really fucking just bush league I'll say it just like I said did not come across professional as goofy but Chris Charlton or Kevin Kelly is doing commentary here by himself and uh, he starts telling the story about how Tai Chi is an all Japan guy and studied all Japan so that's why he does things differently than New Japan guys. And that's why he's got a different background and a different thing. And then he went on to basically miss every reference to All Japan that Taichi kept put, sprinkling throughout uh, the match, except for um, calling the Saito suplex the dangerous suplex, uh, which obviously just comes from the fact that they call it that, but, you know, the reference to Kawada kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, it was it was interesting because, like, he missed every other reference, including, like, the chokeslam uh, Tauwei, like, Akira Tauwei, uh, spot where I was like, oh, he's doing, you know, if you're talking about he's trying to be an uh, All Japan guy and he hits this, like, out of nowhere chokeslam that kind of doesn't make sense for Tai Chi, but it did make sense in the setting, you would, like, completely see that and call that if you were, like, you know, getting the story of the All Japan thing here. So, as you talked about, I think Tai Chi, like, that is why these, these matches don't fit. Is He's trying to force some weird storyline here about, like, All Japan versus New Japan and the background and this and that, and it's like, it didn't make any sense and didn't make the match any better. And I don't think of Tai Chi as being a guy who doesn't fit into New Japan because he's an All Japan guy. You know, like, that story doesn't dude, fit. Dude, it's, like, like, dude, like, he's been in New Japan for how many fucking years yeah. now? And he just wrestles like, like most it, of the New Japan guys. Yeah. So, yeah, it was insanely confusing. But that pop-up chokeslam did remind me of uh, this week, I think, Lance Storm was telling a story about wrestling Mike Awesome. And, uh... He basically claimed to invent the pop-up powerbomb. <laughs> you know, the, the, the pop-up powerbomb that, um, that like Kevin Owens does as his finish in WWE, right? He was saying, like, oh, yeah, I kind of invented that spot. And he said when he would wrestle Mike Awesome, he didn't like doing the awesome bomb because he didn't like the bump. So he would always try to work in a way to do basically that version of the, uh, of the move as the finish of the match so he wouldn't have to take an awesome bomb. Um, and he ca- said he called it the ejector seat powerbomb, which I thought was interesting but it's just so funny to be like lance storm saying you know i invented the pop-up powerbomb offhandedly on a podcast it was very funny um so yeah that was <laughs> that was my my reminder there because because tai chi kind of did like a uh, a pop-up uh, choke slam in this match a pop-up a pop-up choke slam is kind of cool i wish that people did more like choke slam variations and all that yeah shit. it was pretty it, i thought it was pretty neat and i thought it was a great reference to all japan that could have gotten you know if chris charlton was there he would have called it Right, because he's a nerd. But Kevin Kelly doesn't know that shit, so he just like, oh yeah, he's a you know he's an all Japan guy, so he's doing uh, all Japan stuff, and and you know he doesn't fit in. But he missed every reference except for like I said, dangerous suplex. That was the only thing he called. Um, so yeah, 
Either way, uh, that's night eight in the books. Uh, night nine, open or the first New Japan Cup match is Jeff Cobb versus. Uh, I wrote tacos here, and I think that that is Yoshihashi. Um, yeah, that, that would be Yoshihashi. I forgot his name for a second. Um, did you watch this? I did. I actually like Yoshihashi, so yeah. I, I, I so I, so I watched that. So this is the one Cobb match I have. Seen. I like both these guys, and I thought that this match kicked ass. Um, I felt I thought it was interesting. <laughs> the first thing that I saw when I saw them was like they're wearing gear that matches enough that I could think that they were a tag team. Um, and then Ke- this is another commentary thing. Kevin Kelly is talking about that he had Yoshihashi's theme song stuck in his head all day. And does that mean this is an omen that Yoshihashi is going to get the upset win here? Um, and I just don't understand. It's very fucking weird. What? The- <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's, <laughs> very weird. He's just rambling to himself about weird <laughs> shit that nobody cares about. It's fucking. It's fucking unhinged. Um, it sounds like sounds like Kevin Kelly. Yes, exactly. Uh, he also repeatedly is like putting up that like it's uh, Yoshihashi's the underdog. Uh, Cobb is unbeatable. He's, you know, this fucking machine and all this. But then he's also, at the same time, repeatedly talking about how his knee is really bad and has been messed up since Wrestle Kingdom. And uh, then I was thinking about it, and I was like, Wrestle Kingdom was not 10 months ago like I think it is in my brain. <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom was actually relatively recently. Because he kept saying his knee's been hurt since Wrestle Kingdom. And I'm like, why the fuck has his knee been hurt so long? <laughs> And then I'm like, oh, Wrestle Kingdom was not, like, three years ago. They actually did one this year. Um, in January, actually, because they always do it in January. Uh, so, yeah, it was only a couple months ago. But in my head, it was, like, a year ago. Um, but, yeah, I I, uh, I thought that, again, this is just a showing of Jeff Cobb being, like, brutal, being domineering, being aggressive, bullying, uh you know, makes underdog Yoshihashi look great. Uh, yeah, I just, again, I thought that this was a phenomenal Jeff Cobb performance. Um, Yoshihashi looked really good. What did you think? No, I thought this. I thought this was really. I thought this was really good. Um, Yoshihashi, I feel like always thrives in these uh, in these matches where you're not necessarily expecting it. I think when you put him in these like bigger spots versus your Okadas, your Tanahashi's, Ibushi, stuff like that, where Sometimes he can feel a little flat trying to work up to that level, but it's again like something small, like small like this, and Cobb is pushed at this point, obviously. So it's not like a match versus Cobb isn't a big deal. But I always feel like he definitely thrives more when you're not necessarily expecting anything. And I, I like, the, I like the chemistry there. Yoshihashi is always super fiery, and Cobb and his and his strength and throwing everybody around, and like it feels more, like, it feels more domineering, like in this in this way, where like. You know, he's not in there with Nokata, Nabushi, and Naito, where there's like they have to get they still have to feel like a certain level of threat and have a certain level of gravitas to them. He can just throw Yoshi Yoshihashi around like a sack of shit and it just like I think it creates a better story in some ways. Yeah. Um I was literally going to say, uh because I thought that um the title that he had was still the never open weight six man tag team ma- tag team titles. I was gonna say like they should just mm. give Yoshihashi a IWGP tag team title run, right? That crossed my mind, and then I was like, oh fuck, he is the IWGP tag team champion right now. But it it did cross my mind because when he first came out with the belt, I'm like, oh yeah, you know what? He's at the level now where he could be he could have the tag team title. Uh, he literally does have the tag team title. Uh, so yeah, good on me for for predicting that. Uh, Tanahashi versus Okada or versus Naito. Um, I don't know. Tanahashi was in control for most of this. And, I uh, again, I still really like Tanahashi a lot. Um, he's just the super ace here. I think 
Naito is like trying to play mind games with him, um, but Tanahashi just doesn't fucking fall for any of it. He's too smart and too good. Um, cuts the shit off every time Naito goes to like try to do anything. Um, even like you know calling him old, you know doing the tranquilo pose, all that stuff. Uh, Naito doesn't fall for it, and Naito even block mocks him back by doing the uh, the tranquilo pose back to him. And I was like, fine, and everything was good. And then the finish just really felt flat to me. It felt like super fluky, super out of nowhere roll up. Just it just felt like really like out of nowhere tacked on and didn't fit anything else that was going on. Um, yeah, what did you think of this? I didn't get to see this one yet. Oh, okay. also, I didn't get. Sorry. I didn't. Get, uh, yeah, I didn't get to see this one. You're good, man. <laughs> You're all right. I don't care about New Japan spoilers or layout. Sure, sure, it's fine. Sure. I just I went over the whole thing, and I'm like, eh, whatever. That doesn't matter. Um, well, fuck it. That's where we're at up until this point. Um, yeah. The next night is like tonight or tomorrow morning. Um, so we'll see what happens there. There's actually some solid matches for that. I think. Uh, I think it's uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and Ocon, like you said. Um, Sonata and Will Ospreay, probably. Um, so, yeah, you got that to look forward to. Uh, actually, I don't think that they would have those two on the same show, would they? Maybe they would. Um, let me double check what the uh, the official card is there. Um, I should be able to pull it up really quickly and not have to do weird vamping where I pretend like I'm talking for no reason. Yeah, it actually is. It's Sabre and Ocon and Sonata and Osprey. So that should be... Relatively decent. Um, two matches for the New Japan Cup there. Um, follow that up, and the next uh, round matches are Shingo and Chase Owens. I don't know why. And uh, Hiromu versus Evil, who have decent chemistry, um, and I think could possibly have an okay match. But uh, but yeah, that's the. Uh, I guess those are the third round. The what is that quarterfinals yeah quarterfinals um maybe not either way it doesn't matter um yeah moving on i guess do you have any final thoughts on new japan cup or any of the upcoming matches uh i'm, I'm, I'm excited i'm excited for the okan match i'm excited to um I'm, I'm excited to see that otherwise yeah just like like i said it's just, at this point i'm not super interested in the booking i don't particularly care about the booking so it's like if it's it's a Collection of good matches, and hopefully, the the matches are good. Only only thing I really particularly care about is the Ocon match. Yeah, um, do watch that, and if you do watch the um, Zach versus Doki Do- yeah, Doki match, um, the one thing that crossed my mind, and I meant to mention it, but I uh, didn't as I was rushing through everything there was uh, like watching the way that Zach wrestles now, especially against someone like Doki, and thinking like how would he not just fit in WWE? Like, he wrestles, like, his style and what he's doing there is, like, could easily just be in WWE at this point, and it's very funny to think that they weren't... I don't know, they were interested in him, but, you know, they also said there was people who were detractors of his style or whatever. It's just kind of goofy. Um, so, yeah. Follow this up. Prestige Wrestling working with West Coast Pro Wrestling to present uh, Savage Mode and, I think as real as it gets um like i said i watched as real as it gets that was the second night of the two you did not watch it um i won't even really bother reference or like reviewing anything from it but i will say that uh the person who books uh prestige wrestling is really on some next level shit uh when it comes to being able to book a card that has tons of really quality talent 
and book them in ways to produce the worst possible matches. Um, not since like BLP and Mikey has there been someone this talented at booking just terribly. Because there's a ton of crossover talent between the two shows here, and the West Coast Pro Show is pretty good, and the Prestige Wrestling Show is mostly bad. Um, like, it is not worth watching. There is maybe two or three solid matches, and even those are, like, could have been easily much better. So, yeah, I will just say tip of the cap to whoever books Prestige Wrestling um, because you're in rarefied air with uh, being able to get the least out of the most. Um, <laughs> but on to West Coast Pro Wrestling. Quentin, what did you think of the show overall? Not the not their best effort, I'll be, I'll be honest with you here. Sure. I've seen... Uh significantly better west coast pro shows um i it was fine i guess i think it's it's, it's interesting we're at a point where like west coast pro is like so buzzing um and has all these eyes on it but it still feels like they haven't exactly figured out how to do a full show yet or make the most or make the most out of certain things like they try and like it's not like the talent out there is having bad matches, but still, like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. They're, I like the guys they push. I like the use of Vinny Massaro. I think it's, yeah. like, I think it's pretty cool. And, like, he's, like, has delivered in the spots that he's gotten. But, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was a fine show. Vinny Massaro was, like, the MVP of the two shows. Because he had, like, one of the best matches on both shows. Um uh, and totally different. One one on here against uh, Robert Martyr, um, and then on the next show against uh, Juicy Finale. And like people kind of argue, like, oh, Vinny keeps booking himself against like top talent, and you know Tomohiro Ishii and all this. Of course, he's having good matches or whatever. But like, okay, these two shows, he's wrestling fucking rookies. No matter what people might think of Robert Martyr, there's some people who are very high on him. Like he's a rookie, right? Even um, he wrestled um Uamura, I think, yeah. right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, so he is not. Yeah, like that's like. Oh, go ahead. Well, no, it goes on with the point. It's like it's not, it's not just that he's just having good matches. Yeah, he has good matches with everyone. He has good matches with rookies and with veterans. Like he's he kicks ass. I mean, in this in this show, he had a really good match. Um, six man, uh, four four zero versus the conglomerate. Uh, I like the conglomerate. Um, they're just you know local whatever trios kind of team, and that's fine. Four four zero here is subbing out. Uh, whoever they had they wrestled the conglomerate before but it was instead of eddie only it was a different wrestler from 440 i can't remember it's i think it's the one i like the least eric ryan maybe um either way fine uh they were doing some of the you know the stooging arm ringer behind the back thing where you 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 are hitting your own partner i think that was you know old school funny spot to do but whatever the match was fine uh any thoughts here i like i like uh rookie's unit more as like I, I like them that I don't have to take them seriously. Yes. And, like, even in, in, in GCW, like, they were still, like, they were still, like, play of certain comedy aspects and shit. So, like, Ricky was trolling and all. Like, but, like, I like them more that I don't have to take them seriously. Like, this, I don't, I, I don't have to take Atticus Kogar seriously. I don't got to take Eddie seriously. Like, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine with them in this, in this space. Yeah. Um, Sonico versus MV Young. Uh,. I didn't care about it this. It was not good. Yeah. It wasn't good. <laughs> it wasn't good. Uh, not a fan. Uh, I've liked Sonico in some places. I don't like MV Young. I don't think I've ever liked MV Young. MV Young isn't good and like doesn't do anything particularly well. Our commentary was talking him up as like a striker, and I'm like, 
watching him throw awful leg kicks. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, man, this is we got we got to be we got to be better here. Like, if something isn't your if you like if you're gonna position yourself as something and like even make it a point for commentary to like hi- want to highlight these things for you, then like be actually good at it because right. you're not like. If you can't throw kicks, then, like, dude, just, like, throw big clubbing, like, arms to the head like Vader or something. Like, <laughs> like, you just, like, don't try to be this thing because you think it's cool when you're not good at it. Yeah, you're- Please. Like, I'll always pick to the example, like, I'll watch a old, I've watched an old Timothy Thatcher match and I saw him try to do a clothesline. It was awful. And I never saw him do a clothesline again. Right. Yeah. Like... Like I just, I just, like I just never saw him do it again, and there's a reason why. I just wasn't good at it. Right. So, like, I, yeah. so like, if you, if Timothy Thatcher has has that awareness and all that stuff, then like, I feel like, hey guys, like, take a page out of that book. If you're not good at something, it's okay to not do it. Do a European uppercut. Do an overhand. Do an overhand chop. Something. You don't gotta try to do that because you think it's cool. Right. It's uh, it just makes me think of uh, you know, the old uh, there's an old Buddy Wayne story from the F4W thing. Um, you know, podcasts and all that where uh you know, Vinny big Vinny V was said uh that Buddy Wayne told him after a match, like, Hey, what was that thing you were doing with your arms? And he's like, What do you mean? And eventually he figured out he was talking about his punches. He's like, Oh, my punches? And he's like, Yeah, don't do that anymore. <laughs> like, you know, just like whatever that thing you were doing with your arms was, don't do that. Like yeah, that's the, the Buddy Wayne uh R. I. P. to a real to a real one. because um, yeah, like yeah, when, if you suck at it, don't do it. Um, Nicole Savoy versus Shaza McKenzie. Um, I don't know what the fuck the deal is. Shaza was someone who I was like, ha- like had had some buzz, and I was like, kind of like, oh, you know, there could be something there. And then she kind of like, you know, obviously COVID really fucked her. Um, and then I just kind of stopped thinking of her as like a decent wrestler, especially because she's kind of annoying online. Um, but this was pretty good. I thought that there was some solid back and forth. Uh, everything looked pretty pretty um, snug. Nothing like weak. Nothing looked bad. Um, but there wasn't like a, a really great narrative um, arc. It was like a lot of spots, um, a couple like cheesy looking counters. Um, Savoy, I thought looked obviously she, everything she did looked great, like it always does with her. Um, but Shazza was mostly game, um, and uh, and the match was actually pretty fine. So kind of like, oh yeah, you know what, Shazza. There was a reason why I thought Shazza was like a decent wrestler, uh, you know. And then kind of, she kind of fucked herself just by being stupid online because I think I'm probably not alone in thinking like a lot of people that like she sucks now, but she doesn't really suck now. Yeah, she does. She does it just like entirely just being annoying. Like not even like bad online, having a bad bad opinion. She's just like yeah. <laughs> annoying online. But no, she's she's fine. I thought this could have been better. Um, I think I've seen them have better. I think I've seen them wrestle each other before. So like. I think that these two have a better have a better match in them. Um, it feel it feels like neither of them were like super were super into it. Granted, it's like spot on the card and placement and everything. They're the second match on the show, so they're only going to go out there and do so much. And maybe they could have had a higher placement. And like it felt like Sonico and MV were like almost positioned to go out there and have like a sleeper like a sleeper match of the night kind of thing. And like they just aren't talented enough to go out there and actually do it. I feel like you could have put Nicole and Shazza in that spot, and probably got, and probably would have gotten better results. But I, I liked it. I thought, I thought it was, I thought it was fine. And I'd like to see them like maybe take it as a rivalry a little bit, extend it out a little bit more. But anything with Nicole Savoy, I'm into regardless. Yeah, right. That's it. 
And, you know, I think Nicole is still kind of getting her feet underneath her here. Um, and, you know, she she's not, I don't think, as interested in leaning into maybe the stuff that me and you historically have really liked from her. But that's not to say that she's not good and that we don't continue to enjoy what she does. Um, because I think she's super talented. But, yeah, I think... Uh, I think she's still getting back into the swing of things because she's had a bit of a layoff. I mean, everyone has with COVID, right? But some people even more than others. Um, I said, follow this up. Vinny Massaro, Robert Marner. We mentioned just how good Vinny has been. But uh, this was really impressive because Vinny really, like, he's wrestling Martyr. And Martyr's kind of, you know, he likes to wrestle on the mat and more of a grapple guy. So Vinny really, like, turned it up when it came to being, like, the, the one pushing the pace, hitting the big high spots, moving around, bumping around, like... He was actually filling in a lot of the kinetic energy. And you could say, like, oh, you know, he's old and he books himself against top stars and he doesn't do much and this and that. Like, nah, man, this guy went out here and he worked fucking hard. He was, like I said, bumping around, hitting big spots, hitting cool, unique-looking moves. Uh, plus, you know, the stuff on the mat that he did do was solid, but he he knew, like, okay, my opponent is this kind of guy. I'm going to work the opposite to make the match interesting and not just lean into what, you know, I do and not just do technical work. Um and then, yeah, when Martyr starts to work over the arm, I thought Vinny did a great job of selling. Uh, made made Martyr look legitimate. So, yeah, I just, I, I thought, yeah, god damn, like, again, quite the, quite the fucking showing from Vinny, because he, he didn't, he didn't just go like, okay, let's just go out there and just, like, grapple, because it's like, you know, we can both do that. He's like, no, 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 let's make this interesting, so I'll do, I'll push the action, and he really did. So, uh, yeah, what did you think of this one? Yeah, um... I feel like I've usually seen Martyr as a babyface, so it was so it was it was kind of it was kind of interesting to see him in this position, almost like stooging a little bit, kind of like I've seen him work on the mat, and that's been his whole thing. He's clearly someone that gravitates more more to that style. Just if you like have seen him on Twitter and, and and stuff like that, so he has a certain style that he gravitates to, and I think that is promising pretty early on that he's shown in like an ability to adapt and. And play and play and play up certain things and not have and not and not be too full of himself and think that oh I should do this thing because it's cool and not have an understanding of that it, that it doesn't work like that like him doing the chop exchange with with uh with Vinny a lesser a lesser wrestler a lesser inexperienced wrestler would have gone out there and thought the thought that the best way to do something was to go out there and just have a straight up chop exchange with Vinny Massaro and be tough and fighting spirit and all that kind of shit. He almost takes a page out of Jay White's book, kinda, with this, with that stooging and and hulking up and like, oh yeah, we're gonna go out there and chop the shove each other, this and that. And he chops Vinny, and Vinny chops him, and he sell and he sells a lot harder than Vinny did. Like, that's a little thing that I feel like a lot of wrestlers at Martyr's age probably wouldn't want to add to their uh, to their repertoire, to their act. But it's a it's a it's a very uh, encouraging sign. For uh, for Robert for Robert Martyr there that he's like has like the he ha he has the uh, understanding of wrestling to like throw something like that in there and like no like that makes sense for him yeah I mean like you said there's a lot of younger guys who don't get that and just want to be serious and show off what they can do with all the you know the wrestling wrestling and that's their thing and like one person who stands out in my mind who did not do that and is now doing pretty well for themselves and maybe it's not what we want but you look at like a Trevor Lee. And when he, you know, got outside of CWF and was in places like PWG, obviously he just did super work rate matches or whatever. But when he started working a AAW and Impact, he was playing up this, you know, goofy gimmick and and being a stooge and and doing all that bullshit and and showing off that personality and being kind of funny while also still being legit at wrestling. And that's 
kind of where he's at now, like in WWE, and he's making a ton of money, and uh, he's a big star, and they obviously like him, and you know whatever we can say whatever we want, like oh we think that he should be the champion, and and I'm we're not wrong, like he should be the champion, and he should be pushed as a big time serious guy, but also it's pretty smart to show that you can do it all, and that you can do everything, and that's kind of what gets you noticed and and gets you booked all over the place, so much to the point where like I said PWG. He's doing super indie matches, but then he starts bringing in the personality and the gimmick and showing, okay, I can do the personality stuff and the gimmick stuff and the super worker stuff better than anybody around. Like, Jesus. So that's where he became, like, would they have signed him if he didn't have the buzz that he had on the indies? Hell no. Hell no, they would have never fucking signed him. He wasn't a guy that was going to stand out on paper for them. Even at the point when they were signing, like, every indie wrestler in the world, if he didn't have the buzz, they wouldn't have signed him just, like, you know, based on his his ability. So, yeah, like, you got to show that you can do it all. And Robert, you're right, Robert Martyr did kind of show that off here. Um, Three-way tag team match for the Prestige Tag Team Championships, uh, C4, which is <laughs> not C4 anymore, but... They still use the name, which is pretty funny. Um, West Coast Wrecking Crew and Reno Scum. Um, I really like C Four at this point. Um, I, I think that they've gotten they've, they've gotten really they've gotten pretty good. Yeah, they're a really good tag team. Um, they've come together quite well. I think it's funny again. That's the kind of weird esoteric thing that I like, where like you the team is called C Four, but they're not even C Four anymore. But they still just keep the name, um, which is yeah. I just I think that that kind of stupid stuff always gets me. Um, did you watch Cody Chun versus Grisham yet? No, I didn't. Okay. I thought I, th- I thought about it because I think I noticed you had probably seen right. it, but but I didn't get yeah. around to it. I'd recommend it. It's really good. Um, but yeah, either way, um, West Coast Wrecking Crew and Reno Scum are kind of like big badasses. But the the C four team, who you know, Cody Chun is pretty tall and and uh, Guillermo is pretty thick. But they really kind of play the underdogs and the spot guys, and then kind of fluking their way into getting the the win in the end. Um, and r- while the two big, you know, muscle head tough guy teams are still wanting to fight each other, um, with the post match, but, uh, but yeah, it's funny. The champions kind of got away with it and, and take off. And then the other two teams are still fucking trying to bicker back and forth with each other. But, uh, but yeah, this was fun. It wasn't great, but it was fun. What did you think? Yeah, I'm, a, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, a pretty, I'm pretty much in the same boat as you. I thought it was fun. I like the dynamic between, uh, West Coast, uh, West Coast Wrecking Crew and, uh, and, and Reno Scum. Been a while since I've seen Reno Scum, actually. Yeah. And I was like, like, oh yeah, shit. Forgot to like, like, like obviously, like, not everyone's gonna be a big star wrestling, but it's like, damn, like, what? It feels like those guys just like missed their window, like, completely. I know yeah. that like they did, they, they did a little bit of TNA stuff, but it was just like, man, like these guys are still just here. And it's like, it's just like, like, it was just like a weird feeling I had seeing them come out. Yeah, it's very odd, especially because like the Thorn style match in PWG with um, with Champa, always stands out because a lot of people hated on it. I was there for it, and I actually thought it was fine. Um, it was a little sloppy, but it wasn't bad, and it was just so weird to me that so many people did not like it and thought that it like showed that Thorn style wasn't at that level or whatever. And it was just like that stinks, and it stinks because they, I mean, as good as Thorn style has ever been. It should have been the team. They should have brought in Reno Scum. Like, his first introduction to the company being a singles match against Champa, and then that being it was, like, kind of fucking dumb. Like, Reno Scum should have gotten that shot, and then who knows what would have happened. But, yeah, it's weird. They've been around forever. Um, they're kind of a West Coast staple, and, uh, and uh, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Speedball Mike Bailey versus Nick Wayne. Um, 
Quentin, what do you think of this? <sighs> well, you can go ahead. Okay. Um, I understand not loving this, and I don't love it. But like, Speedball really went out of his way to like make sure that Nick Wayne had like a good match, <laughs> and even still, I thought that Nick Wayne really was drag kicking and screaming to having a solid match. Um, it's fucking insane to me that they like makes this big deal about Nick Wayne. Like, oh, he's so good. He could, he can work the crowd, and he I'm just like, I'm sorry, but like, he constantly feels like goofy, over the top. His selling does not come across legitimate to me. Um, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't like feel to me like a like a like le- like a real fucking wrestler. He he feels like he's like playing wrestler. His big moment. I watched just the AR Fox versus Nick Wayne match from the uh, GCW show, and they kind of they did this double kip up thing. And Fox is like standing there after the double kip up, and he's staring at Nick Wayne. And Nick Wayne's not looking at him. He's like at the crowd, and it's like it's that thing where on paper I think people would be like, oh, you know, he's playing to the crowd. Look at how great of a worker he is. But me watching it, I'm like, no, no, no. AR Fox is fucking staring at him, trying to make this continue to be serious. Fox has actually become like the kind of wrestler who's smart enough to know like make the match seem serious by not taking your eyes off your opponent you know don't just ham it up to the crowd that's not actually good work but people give nick wayne credit for hamming shit up to the crowd and doing over the top facials like oh that's great i guess that's like how you work if you want to get into nxt if you want Shawn michaels to think your matches are good i guess um it's just it's cheap over the top fucking hammy stuff um that said speedball like kicks the shit out of him repeatedly mocks him plays to the crowd does some great back and forth strike exchanges that you know speedball makes everything look really good um and uh and just goes all out non-stop you know i loved the finish i thought speedball had some like pretty pretty unique stuff the abdominal stretch on the top rope is like goofy but i loved it and it was a you know it was a nice little like kind of whatever dumb spot um so yeah is this going to be on my match of the year list? A fucking hell no. But like I said, is this like the best singles match that I've ever seen Nick Wayne have? I would say probably. I would say, you know, I actually enjoyed it. Nick Wayne was pretty much inoffensive, um, except for a couple times where his selling was a little bit too goofy. Um, Speedball seemed to try to keep him in line as much as he could. He worked over the midsection for pretty much the entire match. Um, I think it was kind of weird because it doesn't necessarily play into the, you know, into his finish, but it still worked for me because at least he had some kind of focus and he, and he didn't work on the leg so that Nick Wayne could fuck up selling it, which was good. Uh, but yeah, Quentin, I, I, I feel like you disagree with me quite a bit on this one. I do. I feel we need to stop putting Nick Wayne as equals with people sometime. John fucking damn it. It's frustrating. Yes. He's a, pretty solid 16 year old or 17 year old or the fuck he is I guess like cool but it's like speedball we're talking about a guy that's super decorated in all that and why is he just not kicking the shit out of Nick Wayne and making Nick Wayne work from underneath and getting the crowd more and more into Nick Wayne as he fights this uh this 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 prick uh veteran that's Working that's work that's working him over when we've seen Speedball work heelish or be lean, be like a tweener or you know, be more aggressive, all that kind of stuff. And they kind of touch on it when Speedball jumps him before the bell, but maybe jumps him after as soon as the bell rings. But it's not like really a, a narrative point. It just happens that Speedball was on him as soon as the bell rung. Like 
I don't understand why. What's so what's so wrong about having Nick Wayne work from underneath more? Why is he working 50-50 with Speedball? I don't understand it. And Speedball, like, God bless him, he's doing really well with it. Uh, that's that sequence where Wayne does rolls through into a rolling red and uh, to a, to a code red is is is, uh, is great. It looks cool. A lot of that goes to Nick Wayne and it, the fluidity there. But like Speedball, like is the one that makes that thing possible. But like. I just, I just don't, why can't we just have someone work from underneath sometimes that is supposed to be this big prospect, right? He's supposed to be this great baby face, supposed to be this great guy at bringing a crowd in and making the crowd feel for him and be, and be, and be engaged into what he does. Why can't he just work from underneath? How come he, how come he's having a match with Speedball Mike Bailey and they have to go 50-50 and we have to pretend this, that Nick Wayne is as good as Speedball? Why do I have to do that? That's so fucking annoying. Yeah, I think, yeah, there's probably a bit of, like, everyone's caught up in the magic and they want to make it, they really want to force it. He's a, Nick Wayne is becoming a forced meme, and so the way that you do that is you force it by putting him in there with the best wrestlers in the world and acting like he's on their level when he's not, um, and and treating it like uh, it's believable and all that. But, yeah, I, I, I get you. I get what you're saying, and it is it is becoming very irrit- irritating. Um but that said, I think that Speedball really was able to uh, to just execute everything super well. So there was no... That, I mean, fuck, like, this is where I'm at with Nick Wayne. That's why I say this is, like, his best singles match I've seen. It's like, nothing looked bad and sloppy and shitty. Like, I see a lot of times with Nick Wayne, and that's the stuff that gets on my fucking nerves with him at this point, um, is that, like, he's not a very good wrestler, and people talk about him like he's fucking amazing, and uh, I just don't even see that. So that's why I was like, I'm into this. Because I'm like, at least like everything was executed well here. There was no... Nothing looked sloppy. Nothing looked out of place. Nothing looked like fucking like, uh, awkward. Everything looked pretty smooth. I mean, the only awkward thing was Nick Wayne's over-the-top selling. Like I talked about. Everything else, like the, the execution was good. So that's kind of my takeaway there. And why I thought like, oh, you know, this is, this is good for a Nick Wayne match. It was my opinion there. Where you're coming from... That's a bigger picture thing, and I agree with you on the overall, you know, point that why does Nick Wayne have to be presented this way? Well, he doesn't, and he probably shouldn't, and it's, like, really goofy that he is, honestly. Uh, but, yeah. Ready to move on. <laughs> yeah. All right, following this up, uh, Prestige title match, Alex Shelley defending the title against Tidex Alexander. Surprisingly really good for me. Um I've not not big, not big into Alexander. I don't hate him, but I have not seen anything. I just have seen really nothing in him. I've seen plenty of him, but I just have never really yeah. cared. I'm, I'm the same. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the same yeah. way. This was good. I think part of it was I had recently heard. Uh, I think uh, Tom Lawler talk about that uh, that Alex Shelley is a bit of a crowbar, and that he's real stiff. And watching this, I kind of I kind of felt like the, they were both being stiff, and they were both kind of really beating the crap out of each other here. Um, you even see a little red mark on the side of uh, Alexander's uh, eyeball, like on the side of his head by his eye towards the end where he looked like maybe he caught something. You know, they're throwing trash cans around and doing a bunch of stupid shit. So. Some guys, some guys like, some guys are stiff, but then it's like sometimes I feel like you feel like some guys just have, just have heavy hands. Like I always felt, that, felt, felt like that about ACH. Right. Like, like, I feel like ACH, you just have heavy hands. And like, I've always just kind of felt that way about Shelly. Is that when I see him do it, it's like, huh, you just feel like he has like heavy hands. Yeah, yeah. 
He just kind of it's snug, you know. It's not necessarily being a prick. Yeah. It's not being an asshole. But the the, the guy's just got power behind him, and he and he lays it in right where it should be. Uh, never never pass the line, whatever, right? And Titus Titus gave me the vibe. You know what he reminded me of here, and this is maybe why he uh, like stood out, and I actually liked him. He reminded me a little bit of uh of like this is a weird thing to say, it's like the Scott Scott Steiner, and probably even more the like lesser version of the Scott Steiner thing in Josh Bodum, the kind of unhinged jock, kind of a little bit reckless, a little bit dangerous kind of thing. You know what I'm talking about? So Dickinson. Yeah, Dickinson. Yes, early Dickinson. Dickinson doesn't have that anymore now to me. Dickinson to me now is a little bit more nerdy. Um, which, you know, he comes across a little bit more like a dork, especially after whining about not making it on the not making it high enough on people's wrestler of the year lists and all this. Um, but yeah, like uh, you know, but yeah, the same thing, the same vibe, that energy. And he had that here and that was I'm like, okay, now I kind of see what Titus is. And you know what? Even I will even say this, like, even in the as little amount of time that I've, like, been watching Titus Alexander, which is not super long, he's even starting to get a little bit wider in the shoulders. You know, he's bulking up, and it, that plays into that character. He looks more like he can be a bit of a bully, like he can be a bit of more of, like I said, like, the kind of guy who can be a little bit, a little bit unhinged, a little bit unprofessional, there's a little bit of danger there. And I'm just excited to continue to see, like, his dad was that guy. You know, like his dad is big evil. We talked about the match uh, that he had recently with Makabe. Talked about the death match that he had with Thatcher. He was one of those guys. He was an aura of danger kind of guy. So it was interesting, or it was weird to see his son come around and you were kind of like, well, he just seems like, you know, I hate to say this, but like some dork-ass wannabe wrestler. And now I'm kind of seeing the, okay, this guy might, he could be tough. He could he could bring something. And that's what he does here. He fights with Shelly all the way through. Shelly's trying to do an arm ringer, and he's just throwing big fucking forearms. He's just being tough, you know, and he's just kicking ass back and forth with Shelly. And, uh, you know, they had the really long title reign technically with Tom Lawler holding the title for like a thousand days or something because of COVID and not really running shows. But, uh, but they did this like kind of hinkiness where they swapped the title around really fast because Titus wins the title here. Um, and really solid match. And then Shelly picks the title back up the next night. So they are kind of doing like a quick swap back and forth. Kind of wish they hadn't done that because I do think that Titus is a guy that maybe you could do something with. Um, and I don't know why you give him his first title run and have it last like a day. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I definitely got into this and I definitely was really impressed. But Quentin, what did you think? Yeah, it would seem weird if he's like a prospect kind of guy that, you believe in and have plans for that seems very counterintuitive, but whatever. Like, like it was, Coast Pro was cool. I don't think anyone's going to accuse him of having the best booking or whatever, or procedure having the best booking for that matter. But yeah, this is really good. I think that this is like another, like one of those feather in the cap moments for Shelly. And like, the more I see Shelly, the more I think of him in like a GWE capacity. And like, I feel like, man, like is Shelly one of the hundred greatest wrestlers I've ever seen? Cause I, Go into a situation like this where I've seen Titus Alexander and he dev- and he le- and he never leaves an impression on me, and like good on him for stepping up for for stepping up a, l- a little bit here. I felt like, but at the n- end of the day, I still feel like it's it's Shelly. Well, the time it's the way Shelly works, it's the way Shelly sells, it's Shelly knowing when to turn certain things on and off, and how great he's gotten at that, and like really like at least for me, kind of filling that void that, like, Chris Hero has left. Like, and not in, like, the same, like, super prominent big spot ways, but for a guy that's able to go around, and I feel like if you don't have a 
great match with Alex Shelley, like, it's your fault, or a good match with Alex, Alex Shelley is your fault, and, like, how great he can rise people up. Like, his year has been made up of making people like Titus Alexander and AC Mack have, like, the better matches I've seen from them. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So, like, that, like so it's like, I, I give credit to Titus Alexander here because the way, the way it worked, and, like, I like the commentary here. For one, because they were talking about how good Tyler Alexander is and all his potential, but when he winds up cheating to win, they're like, "Oh, you just, he did that just because he wanted to do it." Like you clearly have all the talent to just win outright, but here you are just like being a dick for the sake of being a dick. And I like and I like that. I like that kind of character. I think that I think that kind of, that kind of character can be fun. And I thought it bounced off of Shelly here really well, and Shelly's selling was really good. And when Shelly got an offense, I liked it. But yeah, I, I think that ultimately it's just. You know, the more and more I watch Shelly, and the more and more I'm like, man, is this guy one of the 100 greatest wrestlers I've ever seen? And, like, I don't know. Maybe it's recency bias, whatever it is. Maybe it's just favoritism because I love Alex Shelley. Like, if I rank him, it wouldn't be higher than, like, you know, uh, like, uh, like that in that, in, than that, like, 95 to 100 range if I ranked him. But it's like, the more I watch him, like, more like, hey, maybe Alex Shelley is one of the 100 greatest wrestlers I've ever lived. There's definitely a case for him, an argument for him, especially if you take a, you know, what you take as your rubric, because there is some, you know, influence, not just like in the style, but in the like training and in the, and, and, and some of that I can understand where people say like that doesn't apply to GWE, but there is stuff like one thing that I like didn't think of at the time. I remember at the time thinking of time splitters as being equals, but Kushida has given a ton of credit to Alex Shelley during in that tag team for making him better. Right. And it's like that. I think you can give credit to Alex Shelley because you know, that was in the ring. That was, that stuff was happening, you know, while wrestling. And you can do some of that with like, uh, with, uh, Jay White as well. You know, like you can say, oh, okay, we all know the story of them living together and, Jay- and Alex Shelley helping train it, but we also have a ton of, like, or not a ton, but we also have solid performances where you can see Alex Shelley getting great stuff out of him. And then something like this, where you see Alex Shelley getting something great out of Titus Alexander, um, who we both said we haven't really seen anything of um, up until this point. So, yeah, like, there is that, that, that influence, that, like, building the next generation. It's kind of like something you do with, like, a, a, a Matt Seidel, where you say, like, okay, Matt Seidel's great has a ton of great matches but also he has a ton of matches where you can watch as he helps make other wrestlers better um and it's like well okay how does that play into gwe like gwe is supposed to be about being the greatest wrestler ever well is that part of being a great wrestler is part of being a great wrestler like getting the most out of your opponents like i would say so i would say that the, the the philosophy of you know the bret hart philosophy the i always attribute it to bret hart but they don't get the most out of the least I think that goes ex- extends to your opponent as well. I think getting the most out of your opponent is part of that same philosophy. Whoever you're wrestling, get the most out of them. And I think that Alex Shelley has yeah, that's yeah, uh, like like to me if like if like like I've always like I'm not like a super super Brett fan. I've never been one. Like he'll always make my 100 just because like he's Brett and like just straight up he's some of the stuff he does is incredible and and like no, no one's done it, but. If I'm to make a Brett case, it's not based off of Brett's greatest hits, even if he has some greatest hits. Like, like the Brett case is what he's got out of what he's got out of Kevin Nash, or what he got out of Mabel, or like what he got, what, or what he got out of like, you know, what I will call like a pastest prime Lawler, even though it's like you know, like still like the early to mid '90s, still like a pastest prime Lawler in a lot, in a lot of ways. Like, that's like that's like the Brett case 
I'd be hanging on. I, I would hang on to. And it's like, I feel that way for Shelly. Like, Shelly does have, like, stuff that I love. Like, but does he have, like, the all-time classics? Yeah, the mostly machine gun stuff. But if you look at Shelly as a singles resume, it's stuff like the Lee Moriarty stuff that single-handedly is what propelled Lee Moriarty to where he is now. And, like, yeah, if you like, if we're applying, like, the Brett School train of thought to GWE, I feel like Alex Shelly is someone that, like, makes it and is almost, like, Shouldn't even be a question, honestly. If we're applying yeah. like the Brett school, like the Brett school way of approaching wrestling. To yeah, it. no, definitely not, definitely not. And listen, Brett is so good at getting uh, so much out of his opponents that uh, people still think that Shawn Michaels is one of the greatest of all time because of Brett. So hey, <laughs> um, <laughs> moving on. Too bad, too bad, too bad. They, too bad they never had a good yeah, match. Oh. So I can't, 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 can't go with can't that one. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know about, I don't know about never had a great, eh, you know. Yep, that's, I'm not wrong. The Iron Man was maybe overbooked. Whatever. Um, either way, <laughs> the other one, the other one, the other ones, I don't even really like that, that uh, much. That's fair. I mean, I I get where you're coming from there. Um, like I said, I think I think Shawn Michaels is insanely overhyped, and and, I, and you're probably right that that rivalry is a legendary rivalry without the legendary matches to show for it. It's a legendary. It's a legendary rivalry without like a single legendary match. It's so weird and extremely funny that these two are like tied at the hip but it's not because they have any great matches together it's just because of like they have completely opposite ways of approaching professional wrestling well their their rivalry is interestingly about them their matches with other people right that's the that's the rivalry right. rivalry is was brett a better wrestler than sean and was sean a better wrestler than brett and it's like well it's not about them just wrestling each other it's about all the other matches that they had and who was better, you know? And it's like it's very it is it is interesting to think about that because it's an oddly like postmodern meta kind of uh, uh, wrestling feud where the only legendary match they have is the Montreal Screwjob, really, and that's only legendary because of you know the backstage hoopla of everything that goes around with it. The match itself, I, I thought the match was getting good until the finish. Honestly, I thought it was you know it wasn't great, but it, I would think it was getting there. They were starting to put something together and then it like kind of just stops or you know feels like really abrupt and weird and then that's it so whatever anyways this is not the time for this quentin um <laughs> i act as if you started it uh follow this up frankie kazarian versus kevin blackwood um i don't <sighs> do you do you like blackwood more with like the shaved no, head or, like you know is that is that is that is that, is that your I don't thing like it. i do not like it i wish he hadn't shaved his head i don't i think it stinks um yeah, I, I'm not into it. Uh, I think he looks weird. I think more hair on Blackwood is better at this point. I think that I liked him. I think I, th- I actually liked him the best when he had the longer hair with the Dutch boy haircut. Either way, um, I think Frankie Kazarian is great. I know that, like, I'm probably weirdly... It's not cool. It's, it's, it's yeah. not cool to like yeah. him, but, like, I've always liked him, though. Like, I go back to, like, like TNA... And I'm like, I've just always liked him. I don't want to see Kazarian in a fucking sixty-minute match, no, 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 or whatever. Yeah. I don't want to see him in those kind of spots. But like, if you're allowed to like guys that are just kind of like good utility people, like he's, I like him. Yeah. Well, when I went off the other, like a, a while back, a few episodes ago, and like really dug in and explained Christian, like Frankie Kazarian is a very similar kind of wrestler, honestly. Frankie Kazarian and Christian are are really similar in a lot of ways. Um, Frankie Kazarian is like a local guy for me. Um, so obviously I've been, you know, watched him forever. Big fan of his for a very long time. Um, followed his career throughout, you know, PWG. Um, 
TNA, as you talked about, <laughs> the brief WWE bit, uh, you know, and ROH, everything he's done, and, like, super solid. Okay. Also, Frankie Kazarian was, uh, was it Brooks? Was that it? Miss Brooks? Or what was the, the, the chick that he's married to? Um, I don't think it's Miss Brooks, uh, but uh, I can't remember her name. Tracy, Tracy Brooks. Brooks. It was, yeah. So he's married to Tracy Brooks and had an affair with uh, Layla Starr. So that's just cool. That's just a cool thing to have done as a guy. Um, so you have to keep that in mind, too. So I, I like Frankie Kazarian because on top of being a really solid wrestler that I've watched forever, he did something that I think is cool. Um, so, yeah, just keep that in mind. Um, but, yeah, I mean... Hits everything perfectly. Everything he does is great. I think probably a, a joy for TV wrestling because, like, such a fucking pro and hits his cues and his times perfectly. This match, do you know how long this match went? 14 minutes and one second. How much you want to bet that these motherfuckers were given uh, 14 minutes? That's a, that's a, that's a fucking pro yeah, right there. <laughs> how much you want to bet that this motherfucker was given 14 minutes and he's like, all right, I'll hit the time right on it. Like, this guy is, like, TV wrestling dream. Um, hits everything smooth. Everything looks good. Like, you almost never see Frankie Kazarian botches. You know, he doesn't do, you know, that thing with your arms. He doesn't do it. Nothing, Frankie Kazarian doesn't do anything that looks bad. You know, like, yeah, I, I mean, just a worker. A worker's worker. Always has been. Always will be. Naturally charismatic enough. You know, not like knocking him out of the seats. He's not Scott Hall, but he's also, like, not bland. There's something there to grab onto. There's something there to get behind. You know, he's not like a big, you know, again, not a huge personality, but also not like just a fucking boring nothing guy. So, yeah, I just think Frankie Kazarian, I definitely, I'm, I, you agree, it's not cool to say that you like Frankie Kazarian, but I think if you like wrestlers and if you like TV wrestlers, there's like not a big argument to say that Frankie Kazarian isn't in that conversation with those guys who get like major, major credit for being great TV workers. Right, like Frankie Kazarian actually is a really good TV worker. The kind of guy who works Explosion, you know, he works, uh, you know, Impact. He works TNA, like, or he works um, uh, Dynamite. He works Dark, and he like hits his times. His matches are always great. They serve their purpose. Um, so yeah, this match, again, he looks good. He does his spots. He knows how to get, you know, get get a lot out of his big spots. He knows how to do his his uh, transitions well. And then you got Kevin Blackwood, and Kevin Blackwood is what he is. Um, I'm not saying that he's bad. He's just go ahead. He's he's there. It's like you might not think of Kazarian this way, but he like like what he like what he got what he's got in TV spots. Like I feel like in the singles way, like even like getting one recently, like he's usually pretty good. So I think that he's a guy that like you might not think of him this way, but he does raise someone's floor a little bit, and like. I think as we've seen with Blackwood recently, when we just talked about him with, with him versus Davey and like my issues with it, I feel like Kazarian is just like a better guy to like make someone look good than you know than Davey is in a lot of, in a lot of ways. And like Davey's fun, and I like watching. I like watching Davey. I've always liked watching Davey. But if like here's this young guy that's still kind of unpolished. And, like, isn't nearly as good as, say, his contemporary, like, Daniel Garcia, who has, like, other things to make up for, like, the lack of experience or whatever. Like, someone like Kazarian is just a better person to put him in the ring with than Davey when, like, the whole thing is, like, he's the aesthetic crippler. Like, he's not really that kind of, like, you know, like, hard-hitting mother motherfucker. Like, he's just not that level of guy yet. And I feel like Kazarian just kind of, like, 
reins him in and like you know makes his stuff look look a little bit better because Arian isn't isn't a kicky isn't a kicky guy. He's not a big stiff strike guy. He's a pro wrestler guy and like doing things in a crisp fundamental way. And like if Kevin Blackwood then goes out there and does his kicky boy thing, like I think it enhances it because he's doing it versus Kazarian versus doing it versus Davey. Yeah, I mean. The thing about Davey is that it's it's hard enough for Davey to get himself over sometimes in matches, so he's not the guy to get other people over. And I, I hate to say that because I love Davey, but man, like, Davey is a an acquired taste wrestler, I think. Davey is not a, like, anyone sees Davey Richards and will instantly love him. I think you have to be a wrestling fan to like Davey Richards, and that's something that I think, like, gets overlooked a lot. Kazarian, I think, is a a wrestler who anyone can get. I think that people watch a Kazarian match and they'll get into it by the end of it. And you talked about it there, where you where you said like, you know, he's not a kicky guy. He's just like a basic wrestler. But like, he was really smart here because he didn't he didn't make and he could have easily you know taken the night off, gone lazy. He did a lot, and he made sure that Kevin Blackwood only did stuff that Kevin Blackwood does well. <laughs> like he he you know reined him in, like you said, he only had him do a few key spots and stuff that looked good and that was kind of like that was it and they went home and everything was like solid he made blackwood look great like you said um made him look better than he really looks most of the time and uh yeah i don't see yeah again i don't see how you like uh how people hate on kazarian i don't know i guess again like, whatever he's boring he's second banana to chris daniels who's another guy who gets yeah just, just yeah just like not cool to be like oh you know it's really good frankie kazarian it's just like it's like you just people kind of be like okay sure and it's like whatever. Yeah, it's, it's fine it's okay for guy for to say like a guy like him is solid and he's just always been solid yeah. I, uh, I think that there is, like, there's some Chris Daniels kind of, like, you know, people aren't as high on him anymore as they were before, but it's like, I mean, Chris Daniels is an all-time, you know, Hall of Fame level indie wrestler. You know, wrestling, uh, indie wrestling Hall of Fame, Chris Daniels belongs on it, right? So, like, playing second banana to Chris Daniels is not, like, the worst fucking thing. Of course, but, but it's also, like, for me, it's, like, skill set. Like, again, don't want to see Christopher Daniels go 60 minutes. Don't want to see Kazarian go 60 minutes. Of course not. Like, but that doesn't mean they're not good wrestlers. You know what I mean? Like, there's only a few guys ever who I'd want to see do that. And, like, a few of them are from that same era of talking about, like, your Bryans and your Joes and, you know, like, like an AJ pushing that kind of time is, like, is like you know, like, they were getting into, like, deep waters there. You might don't even want AJ going there. But, like, really, we're talking about, like, Brian and Joe and maybe, like, a couple of others I'm not thinking of that I can't, that I can't think of, like, red, like, readily right now. But, again, it's not the bad thing that this guy isn't necessarily great at working big, long, epic main events. He's just good at doing this thing. And he's been doing that thing for a long yeah, time. That was never, that was never the point, And that's never what he was supposed to do. Um, all right. So Quentin, we were, I, we, I joked about going long, moving forward. And we're already, I don't know what the fuck happened here. We're, we're not actually supposed to we have one match. We have, we, we, we have, we have one match. I don't know how we got to two hours on this, but whatever. We, we, we're going to finish this up here. Um, do not expect us to continue to go this long. This was an aberration. Two weeks in a row on accident. Um, Fatu, or the champion here, West Coast Pro champion. Uh, have you noticed, actually, we've been talking about this, but the uh, WCPW, or yeah, WCPW, and it was it was kind of a, a topic in the Slack. Like, how do you refer to it? You know, And people making fun of, like, what culture pro wrestling, having the same initials and all this. Have you noticed that um, they've, re- they've kind of rebranded and a lot of their stuff pushes the like wcp west coast pro drops the wrestling 
and uh, and they're also pushing the coast. Have you seen this? <laughs> I'd like to, I like I like the, the coast. coast. It uh, reminds me of the, reminds me of the, the newly renamed Staples Center. Uh, people are trying to make the crypt yes. a thing. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the, the, the coast. Um, so yeah, the West Coast Pro. I think West Coast Pro is like officially their name now. Um, so either way. Yeah, but uh, but I just think it's funny because it was like it was a topic of conversation in the Slack chat, and then somehow that leaked to them, and I noticed that after that it turned into like they were actually changing the name or whatever. But either way, the Coast Champion World Heavyweight Cha- or I guess the Coast Heavyweight Champion AJ Gray defending here against uh, former champion, and uh, <laughs> based on his post match promo, I realized like the fucking the true ace of the Bay Area at the moment in uh, Jacob Fatu. Um, what did, uh, what did you think of this one, Quentin? It was, it was good. Um, it's weird, man. I think it's kind of a weird thing to, like, just have seen Jacob for so long, and now he's just, like, doing this kind of, like, straight up just ace babyface thing. And it's cool. I like it. I like seeing it. But it's just kind of jarring after what we've seen Jacob be for a while. And, like, he can do it. He's, like, as we saw in his post-match promo, he's super fucking charismatic. So it's not a... Another thing of where I think it's like super counterproductive or counterintuitive to what Jacob's best qualities it qualities are. He can still be a big monster baby face, a big monster baby face ace, and all that kind of stuff. It just I think it just makes for a weird match structure, kind of, when, especially when AJ isn't like outwardly heelish or being that much of a dick either. It just feels like Jacob was just gonna go out there and kick AJ's ass tonight. That's all it felt like. It didn't feel like there was any more pretense about it. It didn't feel like there was anything added to the to the layout or structure to make it seem like a bit more of a smooth smooth journey to get to that point. But I liked it. Jacob does incredible shit. He'll do a fucking back handspring moonsault. He'll do a he'll do a big dive to the floor. He'll do a fucking whisper in the wind, and it was all on display here. And it was crazy looking like. Even something because AJ doesn't fly anymore. Because even something like AJ doing like a Cavernario style dive to the floor, like it was like, oh shit! Like it's, it was, it's there's stuff to like here. I just didn't like it as much as their first match. I would say. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't at that level, but it did. It had a feeling of like you said, like it came out and it was, uh, and it was you know this bullshit's over. It's done. It's time to uh, to get back to the real world, like. Fatu is meant to be the champion. He's meant to be the ace. He's coming out here to kick the shit out of this guy and get his title back for his people, uh, you know, and uh, and uh, and AJ just kind of like is there, and it's just an epic brawl. It's a back and forth between, like you said, just pure you know babyface, babyface monster mash. There's no really any semblance of heel. The crowd is firmly behind Jacob the whole way through, but AJ is not. You know, like you said, there's no, like, oh, AJ's a bad guy or whatever. AJ can still, or not AJ, uh, Jacob can still do the BME. He does the best moonsault ever, which is fucking nuts for a guy his size. Um, just because, yeah, like, jump, jump, jump. Like, goddamn, dude. Like, that's, and quick. Yeah, Jacob knew, Jacob, Jacob knew he was, he was winning the belt. He did all of his yeah, shit Yeah, he tonight. got everything. He got, <laughs> on that he got show. all of his shit in. Um, and I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking, you know, his uncle was, uh, at one point was making a difference Fatu. Jacob is making a thiz face Fatu. Um, cause yeah, he is, <laughs> he is the bay. this motherfucker. Like he is super fucking yeah. bay. Like I was like, wow, <laughs> Jesus the Christ. Promo, he's like, put that shit in the air. I'm just like, hell yeah, dude. Like this is the I guy. I was like, 
I was like, God <laughs> damn, this dude is like yeah. bay through and through. I didn't know. I, like, I knew he was, but like, it's like I was like, I didn't know it was like yeah. that. Jesus, so it's, just, it's so perfect. He's the guy. He's the guy for the the, the Bay Area champion. And yeah, it's just, it's. I thought it was fucking rocked. And and the match, like I said, the match kicked ass. But the post match promo and and looking at who he is and and you know where and wondering where he moves forward because you got the heel tag team in GCW that's getting a push that they obviously deserve. It's kind of more what we're used to seeing, like you know. Uh, PCW and MLW, the heel kind of the heel unit has been his thing, but then he's also got this where you're just like, okay, in certain settings, like he can be a totally different guy, and and the fact that this motherfucker needs like someone needs to sign him, right? Am I crazy? Like, oh my god, top rope Spanish fly. Also, yeah, he did everything. Um, yeah, like one of these companies should get this motherfucker on TV, right? Am I crazy? Like, I don't know where he fits in best, yeah. but pretty much anywhere like i don't know wwe maybe not um but even still like they they respect the samoans you know so i don't want to see him thrown in with roman and them but uh you know they got solo sokoa on the on the uh on the nxt i could definitely see jacob showing up there too um but then yeah AEW obviously would be a great place for him and even New Japan, New Japan Strong or New Japan Proper, like I think he fits in. Yeah, I feel like New Japan would be a really would be a really interesting one yeah. for him. They just brought in Jonah, and I just think like Jonah and Jacob is like a matchup made in heaven. I'd love to watch them fucking wrestle each other or tag or do anything together, honestly. So yeah, um, great stuff, great way to cap off the show. Obviously, the crowd's going nuts, and like I said, the post match promo we talked about it, but motherfucker, like this guy, this is it. This is where he belongs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, Quentin, anything else? Like I said, the, the next night, the show was bad. Um, the only show, the only matches I'd recommend, Vinny Massaro versus Juicy Fanu. Uh, the, probably, Rocky Romero versus Charlie Haas was fine. It reminded me of uh, Billy Gunn when he was on the indies. Charlie Haas was kind of working that vibe, um, which is just, like, kind of big ex-WWE guy can play like kind of a goofy like babyface heel thing the crowd gets into um and then like R- rocky was just busting his ass working super hard otherwise i mean fuck the main event three-way was like fine but it was it was like it paled in comparison to the singles match between shelly and titus the night before so throw in ray horace and the match is not as good shocking um yeah quentin anything else you want to talk about before we head out uh, nope, I'm good. I think we got everything covered here. All right, perfect. All right, but that's it for us this week. Thank you all for listening, and hope you're here next time. Go ahead, pop off. Me and my click put on. I'm like a young man. I'm here to get your bitch off. Like I'm Rick Flair, little finger to the big balls, man, aka police. Guess I'm over your head like guitars. Kill these niggas, that's no problem. Chill, these niggas want no problem. That chopper body like Hornswoggle, can't see you shot them like Sin Car. Roll it up with that shit loud. It ain't mine if that shit not. Ladies hate when I rip rude, but they in love with this Jake Ride. It's like now, nah. say hello to my Python. I'm seeing punk with that mic, y'all. She go to sleep cause my bike bomb. Winning, plus I be hurting feelings. Niggas is Curtis Axe, so my rap is like Kurt and it, and it, don't it? I'm such a charmer. Come crown Vic, not talking whip, I'm thinking Lawler. Cause I'm royalty, but we talking cars, it's not a problem. Just bought two big bodies, call them Kamala and Umaga. Why the? You're talking to the back guy. My gang real, but I ain't never been no vampire. Look at 
with all that icy got on Bigger than that icy title Picking out my pill, man, cause I still feel like I'm flying Brian Who high as I am? Who fly as I am? Life is a bitch, well you this bitch is more than life in China Get it? Strong ass hoe They can say they want that smoke Well I'm Papa Shango Cause I be hopper, playing low Get the ganja, no steamboat And I'm fly as a crossbody But I'm tired of saying so So I do so with new producers And a slew of my latest verses And a ruthless like Rusev Move or be through with you niggas first Get back to work Talking to the bad guy, yeah, chico. You're talking to the, yeah, chico. You're talking to the bad guy. I'm too sweet. I dare you, niggas, that fly. Yeah, chico. You're talking to the bad guy. Yeah, chico. Yeah, chico. You're talking to the bad guy. Tooth picking your eye. I'm that guy. Hey y'all. Well, something happened to me. Something happened to you. Okay. Hey y'all, don't look like no Daniel B where they seeing me as a goat, but hey y'all, something happened to me, something happened to you, okay? Hey y'all, you counting your little bees, my nigga, my cheese mo. Can I bother you with this rhyming, man? I father niggas with rhyming, heard they talking right from the sideline, like a part of me been declining. Nigga argue often with liars, beside that I got no choice. Rather be he slated before I make it a joint. My point, I'd rather job than have my morals expired. Niggas getting back, they bribed, cause I ain't told in a while. <laughs> Is you mad or not? Nah? Is you rapping or out? She rap my cigar. Light it up because I'm grateful I just made it this far. God is pale in comparison, it's a shame, it's a problem I'm so over forever, now my stadiums pop Niggas sweet like they really real, but be faker than raw Oh nah, they flaw, <laughs> I got it Oh please, Dwayne Johnson, been number two around these parts <laughs> Oh nah, <laughs> you know why? Cause most of my OGs in the 80s made a movie with Rod Let's talk, let's talk It's talking to the bad guy Yeah, Chico, it's talking to the Yeah, Chico Talking to the bad guy, I'm too sweet. I dare you niggas act fly. Yeah, Chico. Talking to the bad guy. Yeah, Chico. Yeah, Chico. You're talking to the bad guy. Tooth picking your eye, boy. Don't ask why.